have never watched a video feed podcast on Spotify before, a settings pop-up box will pop up. Tap on settings, turn data saver off, go back to the episode, hit play. You'll never right, have, have to a do special that. guest in today, Noah Rosenfarb, and I did not mess up the name. Not at all. Came from nothing to something, third generation CPA. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, with pleasure. Excited to have this conversation. Yeah, so you're from kind of our hometown. Yeah, I grew up in North Jersey, a town called Westfield. So about a half hour from Manhattan. Oh, so right by New York. Yeah. And then how long were you in New York for? Uh, 35 years. First 35. Whole 35 years. Uh, yeah, the whole time. Met my wife there, went to college there, built my business there. Oh, wow. Then I left everything I knew to come down to Florida. Now, what taught you about hard work? Because you're very big on hard work. And yeah. Your mom was a real hard worker. Right. Your dad was too, but your mom was single. She worked all she could, but couldn't always put the food on the table. Yeah. So you got to see that. So what was that like watching that growing up? Uh, I knew pretty young that I'd rather have choices because uh, when I'd spend the weekends with my dad, you know, we'd go out to dinner, we could order dessert, and then sometimes, you know, it would be raining and we'd be able to go bowling and see a movie on the same day. And so, you know, as a little kid, I said, I want to have those choices. My mom doesn't have those choices at all. So that kind of instilled in me the desire to make sure that I could have all the things that I wanted. And what did you, because your mom worked her butt off, right? Oh, yeah. What jobs did she have? She was a massage therapist. She had, uh, she would work, she worked for Planned Parenthood at a, an abortion clinic. Uh, she did like some social work type stuff. She worked with old people and, you know, to help us. She wasn't quite a gerontologist, but she would go and give them massages. And she ran like an act social activities program for an old age home. So all low paying jobs and just trying to just, do whatever, you know, she tried could. to put it together. She was an alcoholic. She had mental issues and, you know, it was, it was a tough life for her. Yeah, I mean, when you're working like that, you kind of need a drink. You know? right. <laughs> so you can't blame her. I mean, geez, you know, <laughs> or yeah. vodka. Uh, a little bit of everything, yeah. Yeah, I, I had a cousin that was like that. Yeah. Uh, they, they came from Italy, and we we're like, don't come now. But yeah. they came anyway, and they didn't have any money. And his, his mom turned into an alcoholic, and she would wake up every day like a glass like that, and she couldn't even function without the whole thing. Wow. And it was kind of like a you know, like an energy drink throughout the day. You yeah. Know? But she got through it. But, you know, <laughs> it was the same thing. Yeah. So now, when you get to the point where you, when you say, okay, look, you know, I see what my mom's doing. I see what my dad's doing. I kind of like going with my dad a little bit better because I get stuff. Right. But, you know, my mom too. So when does it start to separate where you start to find you? I think I worked with my dad when I graduated college. And that was not something that he wanted. He, he didn't, you know, not like he was against it, but yeah. he thought I should, he didn't think I should be an accountant. When I decided I wanted to be an accountant, he didn't think I should work for him. Uh, and then when I worked for him, he said, you know, this is just a job. Like, don't think this is your place. And, uh, you know, that, that was kind of obvious then. It's, you know, hey, the, you gotta be your own man, do your own thing. Nothing's gonna come to you just, you know, on easy street and when he gave you a job as an account like with him yeah what, what did he have you doing i was a standard staff account i was employee number 13 and uh i i was doing auditing so when you graduate with a degree in accounting you have to pass the cpa exam i did half the exam when i was in college and the other half right when i graduated and then you need uh you needed two years of experience now you need one because you have to get a five-year degree really it's five years yeah now it's a five-year degree yeah wow. five-year degree plus yeah. a plus a one-year in you know basically work experience but the work experience has to be specialized in audit work 
which is like most people think of an accountant as someone that prepares tax returns. Right. But in order to be a CPA, you actually have to do audit work. Really? Yeah, it's kind of strange. So I, I was an auditor, wow. which is like the most boring job in the world. It has to, and, and nobody wants you coming there. You know, uh, nobody it, wants you there. You're like the plague. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. you know, it's the work's not fun for anybody. <laughs> no. uh, but you know, I suffered through it, and 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 it, it, it's a great learning experience. I really, the reason I became an accountant is because I wanted to have that business experience and exposure, and not to mention I had, you know, the trust of my dad. So even though he didn't want to give me a leg up per se, I had the, his trust, and and through that trust, he gave me transparency. So I got to see how the business was run. And I helped him run that business and scale it from 12 people to 70, and then he sold it. And what was it? What do you think that he taught you or, or you saw from him that you were able to scale it from how many people to 70? 12 to 70 in nine years. Mm-hmm. 12 yeah. to 70. And then. And in accounting, yeah, you know, yeah we're not talking about like uh, you know, yeah. like Coca Cola. <laughs> <laughs> no, so uh, so like go through with him, like some of the things you would do to. to... We did a bunch of acquisitions, uh, but my area of expertise and kind of where we became known and where we built our brand was in divorce accounting. So, there by the we got into my my dad got into forensic accounting a long long time ago with a great story, and basically became one of the first forensic accountants in New Jersey. Yeah, I wanted and, to ask you so bad. I was just waiting for it to come up. What exactly is a forensic accountant? Yeah, because I'm, I'm, <laughs> when I think forensic, I think forensic files. Right, yeah, dead so, people. Yeah, so right. I'm like, if I ever get a forensic file right. or accountant knocking on my door, you know, what am I look? Right. What am I into? No, so uh, the forensic is that there's a question that needs to be validated. And so forensic accountants go in and they figure out how much money do people make and how much is their business worth. And so I used to testify in court on those issues. Uh, And so, but but prior to me doing that, my dad had been doing that and he's now been doing it 40 something years. So So that's what a forensic accountant is. Yeah, you're basically uh, trying to help someone figure out a dispute over money. So oftentimes forensic accountants are looking at books and records when somebody stole something or you think, you know, you're you're getting divorced and you you know the wife or the husband needs to figure out how much should they get for their share of the business or how much does the husband really take home from the company i know he uses that black mx card all the time when we go out but you know he doesn't he doesn't have to get paid the business pays that now we know why he's married 20 years yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey uh, keep her to keep her right <laughs> yeah. yeah so so when so for instance so if i take that bottle yeah. from you and I said I didn't take it, and there's money involved because right. you bought that. I I lended it to you, blah blah blah. Now you as a forensic accountant, you're We're gonna like go tr- break all that tracing down it all. Yep, really? tracing it all. Yeah. Now you had said online and a lot of things I had read that your dad had some ups and downs. Yeah. What do you mean ups and downs? So when I was, uh, you know, in my formative years, I think it was back in like eighty five, eighty six, his partner locked him out of the office. Ugh. Locked him out, all his files, all, you know, everything. Back then, everything was on paper, right? It's not like you had computers. And, uh, you know, it was, it was tragic for him to, to lose access to the business that he built with a partner. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, he had a client that really cared about him and wrote him a check and said, fill it in and, you know, you'll pay me back when you can. Uh, he wow. used that to open his business. And one of the guys from the old firm joined him and they were together until my dad sold the company. Uh Wow. So, you know, it was really, it was really sad. And, and our family business of being in forensic accounting is all dealing with people fighting over money. 
So when I would stay at my dad's on the weekends, on Saturdays, you know, we'd usually have breakfast together. And part of breakfast was dad telling us a story about two people fighting over money for us to decide, you know, who, who's right and who's wrong and who should be the winner and who should be the loser. So those were the stories I had growing up. And then here was my dad in this business dispute with a partner. Just, and it's, you know, it's, just, it's, yeah. it's terrible. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that influenced me then. It influences me now. I have a lot of partners in my businesses. Uh, I'm fortunate to, to, to wear that, you know, I've had disputes with partners, but I feel like I could resolve them amicably because I know that the alternative is really just terrible for everybody. Give me a funny, a funny, when your dad came home and, yeah. and, you know, he came home probably was just like, ah, oh. No, I got to tell you about this one. G- yeah, give yeah. me a funny story I'll that sticks you, I'll out give in your you head. Kind of his with, best with, story. With, uh, one, one of my most fun ones. So <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Fiji. More than just water. This is not just rock. It's ancient volcanic rock that filters tropical rain, giving it double the electrolytes and its signature soft, smooth taste. It's not just water. It's Fiji water. Again, that's FijiWater.com. Slash MSCS, $5 off and free shipping. This episode is brought to you by Let's Get Checked. I want to talk to you guys out there who are working out all the time but aren't seeing any results. Your commitment isn't the issue. You're going to the gym all the time, different body parts, everything else. Before you go and buy a new supplement, try a new diet, new routine, let's talk about your testosterone. Low testosterone can affect anyone at any age. And low testosterone will take away muscle mass and you'll gain body fat. So let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. They're the worldwide leader at home testing kits. You order the testing kit, it's delivered right to your house, discreet packaging, next day delivery. You send it back, once it arrives in the laboratory, your results will be available in two to five days on your secure online account. So if you want to test your testosterone levels without leaving your home, visit try lgc.com slash mscs and use the code mscs at checkout and get 30 percent off the link is in the description at the top and it's actually kind of the story you're that, making us feel better by yeah, the way. yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of the story that got him into forensic accounting it was his fr- one of his first cases early on cases and uh the issue was it, there was a stone crushing quarry so when you take stones out of the mountain then you bring them to a crusher and it crushes it into gravel and now you have gravel that you could sell. So in this stone crushing quarry, they have a large piece of equipment and that piece of equipment, part of what maintains it is gear oil, right? That lubricates the gears. Well, they, there was faulty gear oil. Uh-oh. And as a result of the faulty gear oil, the, the stone crusher stopped working. So they made a claim for the insurance saying, hey, we lost all this money because we have two crushers Actually, they had three crushers. One one is down, and our business is not making as much money. And so uh, my father actually went into the business. He interviewed the people. You know, well, what happened when the crusher went down? Well, you know, they laid off Johnny, and they laid off Tommy, and they laid off Susie, and right? And he says, okay. And, and the other guy says, yeah. And then, they, you know, they, the other machines, they're running all the time, right? And so he went and examined the books and records, and he found out that, you know what? When the crusher went down, they actually started making more money. <laughs> because they laid off all the lazy people, they kept all the good people, they ran the other machines more effectively, and so he got to tell that story to the judge. And what's interesting in court is uh, most people think kind of you win or you lose. 
Um, but when you win in a damages claim where there's liability at hand, so the, the court was clear, there was liability, there was bad gear oil, the company is responsible to pay. But then the judge said, pay a dollar. Pay a dollar? Yeah, because my dad convinced him there were yeah. no damages. Yeah. yeah, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That, that's basically almost like being a lawyer, right? It's, it, you're working with lawyers or clients or lawyers. So we would refer to the lawyers as our clients, not the litigants. I the see. people that are suing each other, they pay our bill. But really, our client's the lawyer. I see. The lawyer engages us because then our conversations are, you know, confidential and and protected. Uh, and then when we meet with the litigant, the client, the somebody that's you know suing somebody else, they get the chance to talk to us, and we're under that attorney-client privilege. Did your dad ever come home with the story like this woman was so crazy? This oh, yeah, this guy course. was so crazy. You know, I I um. I was in that business too, right? For nine years, I ended up testifying as an expert witness in divorce court. I and, saw you know, that, and I, I thought, no, man. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's a really interesting business. I bet it is. Uh, it's really well suited to my skill set, and and so it was hard to leave it. But what what really motivated me to get out of that business is in part one of these kind of crazy stories, where. It was just the whole thing was a mess, and you know the, they had rats as pets, and you, tell, you know it was the like thing. the dirty underwear, <laughs> and it, it just it the whole situation with the kids and the parents it was it was tragic. But they made a lot of money, a lot of money. They lived like they didn't make any money, but they made a lot of money, and so the wife knew that they made a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But she wasn't sure if he was hiding it from her. Oh, boy. So I was working with her. And here I am trying to go look for this money. And in some sense, the, the, the uh, husband, he had something wrong with him where he opened 78 different accounts what? in two years. Holy 78 different and accounts? And he started moving the money all over the place. Oh wow. God. And so... It obviously looked like he was doing something. So we spent $400,000 worth of their of our time, billed them $400,000, and they paid us $400,000 to tell him that all the money was there. Oh, he was just moving it around. Left and right. Left and right. Yeah, unbelievable. And, and you know, it was just, it, it, that was one of the reasons I quit. Because I said... I, how am I helping this family? <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm here to try and help people come up with resolutions. And so I didn't like that. The more people fought, the more acrimony the lawyers created, the more money I'd make. And that just, it didn't feel good. It sounds like it was more of like what you were doing was it was two people arguing and this person says this, this person says that, you know, non-criminal. Right. Their life, basically. Yeah. They're, they're probably have kids involved. And now you come in and you have to make that or you're helping making that decision as to does he have the money or doesn't he? Right. And then what's that going to do? Then you say, okay, pal, you have the money. Right. Now they walk out and now what do you think happens? They're fighting like cats and dogs. Right. And then they're hiring another Noah because now he's going to have 200 accounts, (laughs) right? There's a guy... I would have got uh, money laundry for 20 years if that right. was me. Yeah. They would have seen South Philly. <laughs> fucking IRS would have been there in no time. I yeah. Can't, I can't imagine trying to... I get, where, like, what's the biggest way people hide the money? Just in offshore accounts? Or what? what's the way you've seen? It's harder and harder to hide money 
because of all the regulations that they have in play now. Uh, but there's still some reasonable ways to do it. Usually it's through multiple companies. And so you, you're not really hiding it as much as you're making it hard to find. And so it's like, is somebody going to really spend all this time and effort to go and try and find it? Because now you're in this bank that's not going to give you the information. So now you got to go chase that information. And then they're going to tell you about some other bank. And that bank's not going to give you information. So now you got to go chase that other bank. So Now, as a forensic accountant, yeah. would you have to deal with things like Ponzi schemes? Um, not so much. I, you, you could. So uh, we had a bankruptcy group. And inside of our bankruptcy group, you have what amounts to the same types of claims that you have in a Ponzi scheme, which is at some point the business shouldn't have paid that bill because it was already bankrupt. And as a result, instead of you getting paid first, it should come back to the company and the company should pay everybody equally who, who's owed some money. So we would do those kind of claims, which are the same as Ponzi claims. So. Everybody has like a different interpretation of what a Ponzi scheme is because yeah. of what's the guy that made off made off. Yeah. So the way I think of a Ponzi scheme and then I want him to say and then you tell us, yeah. you, you teach us. So I, it's like a pyramid. So if I have this pen, I sell you this pen and then I'm still I'm selling the same pen to that chair. Right. And then I have to sell this paper to pay you to keep you calm yeah. while that now I'm selling another one. You know, and it keeps going. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that's basically what it is. Dude. You can't agree with me. Well, you're, yeah, you're like you're taking money, <laughs> and then I'm taking your money. I'm going to say I'm going to invest it, right? And then I'm taking his money. I'm going to invest it, and then I'm going to tell you the return I'm going to give. Oh yeah, the return. You right? know, the, I guess there's different versions. Like, of so, it, like right? if I have, like, no, like if I have twenty dollars, yeah, okay, and I want to start a Ponzi scheme, I don't, yeah. and I don't want anybody to. Don't, <laughs> you, you want to be like we're Bernie Madoff? Ponzi yeah, right. You want to be like Bernie Madoff? Yeah, That's yeah. all. I just curious to know yeah, like yeah. what it is. So I have twenty dollars, yeah, and and I'm I'm gonna be like Bernie Madoff for some reason. He's my role model. Yeah, yeah. How would I start a Ponzi scheme? So with you, say, you say you uh, say, you know, hey Noah. Why don't you, you should give me 20 bucks. I'm going to give you a dollar a week. That sounds pretty good, right? Yeah. All right. So I give you 20 bucks, right? Now you're going over. Hey, you give me 20 bucks. I'll give you a dollar a week, right? Hey, 20 bucks. So next week comes, you give a dollar to the first guy, a dollar to the second guy. You still got $38, right? right? You're still running good. You keep doing it, but eventually, you know, you're paying, you're using other people's money nice. to pay what's supposed to be money you're making. So you would think if you were going to do that, you would just do it real quick to make enough for <laughs> right, capital, right? right? <laughs> Get your business started and then go back to the person that you robbed for yeah. a year and give them their money back. If you're going to do it, <laughs> right? right? Uh, you know, you don't do it to- I, I think most people that end up in Ponzi schemes say they had a good intention in the beginning. I kind of do believe it. Yeah. They really did. Ha they had a good intention and then things go awry and, you know- the interesting thing for me is I syndicate real estate investments. So we could like break down what that is. But basically, yeah. I buy large apartment buildings and other people chip in with me. Now, the other people that chip in with me, they're wealthy, right? And so they give me at least 50000 but sometimes 500000 a million. And what's crazy is some of these people I've never met. Mm. Never met them. I don't know them. Yeah. Right? And they send me a check for a hundred grand. And you gotta and, be and just from like your hit your growing up and everything, you just sometimes you just gotta pinch yourself and be like, 
Is this guy nuts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I say it all the time. I think, I, I'm, thankfully, they're sending it to me. Yeah, and, right. And I know that I'm trustworthy, but I'm worried for them. What about if they send it to somebody that's not trustworthy? Because that's where all the Ponzi schemes happen is typically in those style investments, which are which are called uh, you know private syndications. There's Rule 506B, 506C, and those are the ones where most people end up in a Ponzi scheme. And I'll get off the Ponzi scheme thing yeah, after yeah. this one. What was so good about Bernie? What was so good about him? That so was, I was an investor Yeah. Uh, in, in Madoff. Oh, yeah? And, uh, and what made you want to invest in Madoff? What did you see that you yeah, thought I so, should invest in this? So this was a relationship through our family accounting firm. It was one of our accounting firm clients. They were large investors with Madoff through the owner of the New York Mets. Uh, oh, wow. and, and that guy was like one of his biggest investors. He ended up having to pay back like $600 million, right? So I forget what that guy's name was. So, you but, like the match, don't you, Rob? Yeah, match fan. It was, <laughs> uh, um, sorry for that. He, yeah. Who was it? I uh, forget. It's okay. I don't remember. Yeah. So this family, you know, ran a successful business, had this successful friend who's friends with Bernie Madoff and is his largest investor. And they got an allocation, meaning you could come into the fund. And they were in that fund for 15 years, maybe. And, you know, their money was just compounding every month. 1%, 1%, 1%, 1%. Which, you know, 12% returns, that's not crazy, right? But what happened ultimately is, uh, you know, the fund was closed. You couldn't get into the fund, but this family had a little sleeve inside of an entity and they said to my father, who's kind of the best friend of the, you know, CFO of the business, you could invest with me, you know? And so my dad said, Hey, no, if you want to invest, you could invest in it too. So I put my money in. Your dad's a beast, by the way. Yeah. That was a good move. (laughs) So, you know, I was, I don't know, maybe 25 years, 24, 25 years old. I had like 20 grand. I put my 20 grand in. I figured, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to make 1% a month. I don't need more, you know, I don't need so much risk. Uh, and slowly that built up to about 200 grand. And uh, I think of the 200, about 130 was mine. And then one day I wake up and I hear the news that, you know. He, and, and what did he exactly do? How did they finally nail him? Uh there's a guy named Harry Markopoulos. Harry Markopoulos. I remember so reading about that. Harry and my brother are actually friendly now because oh they both live in Puerto Rico. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. And uh, in any event, Harry <laughs> was complaining to the SEC that it's not right. And what was interesting is the the group that we invested through, they were you know sophisticated, high net worth, high performing business people. And so they would get the statements and they were trying to figure out, how's he doing this? How's he doing this? You know, and they were trying to come up with the model, you know, thinking like, can we replicate it without him or, you know. And what they said is, you know, Madoff makes a market. He was he was a a big Wall Street guy. He had a, a real business that he was, you know, in front of. And they said he must be front running trades. He puts our trade in before he puts in the order volume from the other people. That must be what it is. And that's when they started looking, right? Right. And so we figured, all right, well, we can't do it. But, you know, if he's stealing, at least he's stealing for us. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Good attitude, right? Yeah. Well, you know, little did we know he was stealing from us, right? So you get what you deserve, I guess. Yeah. Well, he lost everything. Yeah. yeah. Actually, we didn't. 
He kept his house, I think. Well, he lost everything. Yeah. But but for us as investors, we actually didn't lose that much. Um, they've been able to make tremendous recoveries. You know, it was like something like $60 billion that was taken. But you can't spend $60 billion. Yeah. Right. Well, what are you going to do with $60 billion? Right. So, uh, so by the time the receiver has figured out that receiver, which is kind of the business we used to be in, they build a billion and a half dollars already. Wow. Actually, no, we shouldn't say that because you could buy Twitter for $26 billion. <laughs> Actually, yeah. if you really want to, after they realize how much inflated it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Wow, that's so interesting. Man. Yeah. So, anyway, we got a tax loss. When when you get money stolen from you, you get to take a tax loss for it. Not so bad. And then since then, we had a recovery of about $0.65 cents on the dollar. Oh, that's not bad at so all. That's not so, you know, I mean, to get stolen from and to get most of that back, that's not so bad. And that, was that for pretty much about everybody in that circle? Everybody in the whole wow. like investor base. So 65% of the money you invested. Yeah. So remember, I invested 130 but it was worth 200 They don't give you 65% of the 200 They give you 65% of the 130 But still, that's not bad. It's not bad at all. I mean, the guy right. stole forever. He stole your money. He stole right. to jail for yeah. life. And I mean, even if you got right. 30% back, you, exactly. you'd be doing a cartwheel. Yeah. So- so then, I wish it were my worst investment. Yeah. <laughs> there's been worse, trust me. Yeah. What was one of your? Give me your worst investment. Uh, so when people watch this, they can see you can make the worst investments, but that's not the end of the world. No, and that's what I tell my wife is like, you know, you can't win them all. Yeah. And thankfully, you know, I've I've raised other people's money for I think something like twenty three different investments, and I've lost money with them twice. And it's it's like heart wrenching for both of them. Uh, one was my first one with other people's money. I had a startup in 1998, a company called Sweet Stay. You could rent a two bedroom, two bath condo anywhere in the world for 700 bucks for the week. Now, what gave you that idea? Uh, one of my partners in our forensic accounting firm was a timeshare salesman. Oh. And and so we learned the timeshare business. And the timeshare business before you build. The 200, you know, unit resort, you sell a third of the property. So before you start digging, you got to sell a third of that property out. And every room has 50 weeks. So 200 rooms is 10,000 weeks. So you got to sell 3,300 weeks before you start digging. By the time you finish, you better have 6,600 units, weeks sold. Otherwise, you're going to get buried. Otherwise, you're going to get buried. That last 3,000 units, though, aren't, those 3,000 weeks aren't sold when you open. So we went to all the timeshare providers and say, hey, why don't you give that to us? We'll give you customers. And when the customer's there, you know, you'll put a little tent card in the room. Hey, do you want to have free drinks and dinner? Do you want to go to this show? Take a 90-minute tour. They close about a third of the people that take the tour that stay on the property. What a so they were willing to give us the rooms for free, and we could sell them for 700 and that was all profit. Right, and then they would make their own money on- And they'd the make money selling, the, whatever. And selling them a timeshare. What a move. So so we, I, I raised a million bucks. I need to start hanging out with you. Right, when I'm, I'm 23 <laughs> years old, I raised a million dollars from- Good for you. You know, my, my father's accounting firm clients- uh, and I'm the chief operating officer for this little, you know, startup, internet startup, Silicon Alley, you know, in uh, New York. It was fun uh, until we lost it all. <laughs> until we <laughs> lost know? it all. So we had to raise a second round of financing. We needed two million bucks. It was the the '99, you know, kind of into 2000 dot com crash. Yeah, we couldn't that raise whole a penny. Dot com crash. That was so crazy. I mean, I was how old was I? I was. 18 and i was like what what is going on with yeah but the dot com the dot com crash did it really ever happen 
Oh, yeah, big time. Right, because what, yeah. what actually happened? So uh, it's not dissimilar to the crypto crash we're going through now. Which it's I very, oh, very way, similar. No, I've called that for the while. I've yeah. called that, Rob, how many times? Uh, how many people have been in here that all oh, Bitcoin this? And, uh, you know, I have an open mind, but just in my opinion, my right. personal opinion, you got to be out of your mind to be in Bitcoin. <laughs> out of your mind. And if the people uh, knew who really is behind it, right. which I'm sure you do, you got to be crazy. Yeah. Like that. It went down, what, 20,000? Yeah, right. So uh, the dot com crash was very similar. You had, uh, uh, you know, this internet explosion, and everybody knew it was going to be the next big thing. So you have all these companies that are trying to make a claim to a space, right? We were trying to claim the two bedroom, two bath, $700 a week condo space. That seemed like a cool space for us to grab, but everybody was going after everything. And eventually, you know, you got to have winners and losers. And once the funding dries up, kind of all the ideas that weren't ready to make it, they're gone. Wow. So there's a, there's a, uh, a public speaker, I'm forgetting his name, but, uh, he does like a study on, on what makes companies successful and timing is actually like one of the biggest issues. Yeah. I can see that because yeah. if you shoot, if you shoot too soon, you're going to get killed probably. And if you wait too long, somebody else is going to kill you. Right. So you kind of got to just sit there and, and watch. We were three years too early. We're yeah. Three years? Three years too early. The funniest thing, remember I told you I had that engineering firm? Yeah. When we went and did a job over at the Breakers over here, the hotel, it's like a big, like famous hotel, whatever. We just did the restaurant. We did work over there. Well, you couldn't talk to this guy until five o'clock. And, and the guy's already probably worth, he's probably worth a billion. Yeah. I mean, he owns this massive, right. massive yeah. post. So, I mean, he's probably <laughs> worth more than a billion. But Monday through Friday, so we, we I had said this before, but I don't care. So we were putting a column up, and there was people in the pool. And we're calling, and we're saying, hey, look, we're about, we have a crane that we're renting. A crane's here. Can you get all the people out of the pool? Because there's a crane here, and we're going to move a column, <laughs> right? <laughs> the crane guy's there at 9 a.m. Yeah. We cannot talk to the owner until 5 o'clock, until the bell rang. We're calling, texting, you know, slipping things under his door like, hey, we have a crane, and you need to move the people. And he was one of those guys with the stocks. Yeah. Until that bell rang, it didn't <laughs> matter what happened. Right. But, you know, he, he won everything. And yeah. it was like a boiler room. Like, you'd go in his oh, house, wow. and there'd be 10 TVs. And him and his buddy would sit there, and they'd be taking notes and all this because you'd have, like, the Australian market, the China market. And one day I went, and I said, what the, how many markets are there? And he'd be like, oh, son, you want to sit down? I said, no, I'm okay. But thank you very much. <laughs> I like you know. He did. Because I thought, I'm going to be trapped there from 9 to 5 right. all day, and then you're going to want me to go work until 9 o'clock at night. Right, you know? yeah. So you get sick of that, basically, right? Right. And what's the next step? Uh, well, that business, I didn't get sick of it. We lost all the money. Well, I, mean, it was, well, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to give you the benefit yeah, of the right. doubt, right? I would have done it forever. But it's you know, saying, the, re the I reason saying I did it, sick, though. I was saying, you got <laughs> no, for me, it wasn't bad. I was, yeah. I was 23 years old. I had really nothing to lose. I, my salary was 36000 at the accounting firm. It was 36000 at the startup. You know, it's not like I had to give up any money. I got all these stock options, which, you know, if we hit it big, I thought I'd get like 100 million bucks, you know? So that, that was fun. Uh, and I got a big position at a young age to try and launch a startup, you know, from and raise money. What great experiences. And I now, never would have had that had I not been working with my dad. And now what years? We're about 2000. This is 99. 99. Yeah. So- where's steve's jobs right here in 99 
And uh, Apple. Is he back with Apple yet? Or is he I don't with know. Okay. Mean, it's way I'll, before the iPhone. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I was just asking because of the market. Did did you ever buy any Apple or, or uh, when? That, yeah, I started buying Apple when I was uh, like nine years old. Did you really? Yeah, I started buying stocks when I was nine. Now I should have been hanging out with uh, you. Yeah. So I. Do you I hold was, on to them? Um, s- some of them, not much. You know, it was little money. I didn't have a lot of money, but I I would put what I had in the stock market. Yeah. This is a little off subject. But what do you think is going to happen with Apple as far as as like the stock? Because they they seem to be just making the same. There's no innovation. Like Steve Jobs, he was an innovator. Yeah. Tim Cook seems more like a businessman, just mm-hmm. business, business, but no innovation. As a person who knows the stock market and all this other stuff that I don't know, yeah. What do you see? So I am not a stock researcher, but, but I, I, mean, I have I have a chief investment officer okay. at our family office. He does that kind of work. I saw the, I saw your team. Yeah, yeah. So I figured you know something. Yeah, right. So uh, when we talk about the markets in general, we're, my job is big picture. Then his job is detail. So when it comes to like an individual company, I don't. It doesn't matter to me because I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Because you're looking at it as a whole. I'm looking at, you know, our philosophy is how do you live and become rich beyond money? So being rich beyond money is you don't you don't need to worry about the details. It's all being handled, right? So you could enjoy your life. And that's that's how I live my life. And that's how I encourage our clients to live their lives. But you got to find someone like Kyle who's there watching because he cares. And is that how you got that in your head? Because you know you have Kyle, so you have that security. So like you have your security, and then you're you're able to then just keep your mind on the bigger stuff. Um, or if there was no, or I'm asking wrong. How do you get your mind to not worry about the little stuff? Because a lot of people, I have that issue too. Yeah. You worry about little things that really don't matter. Well, I think one of the reasons we work with these very successful entrepreneurs is the only way they've been able to do that is by relying on other people. So they already have that innate capability to know that, you know what, maybe Tommy's not going to do it as good as me, but he's going to do it without me, and that's okay. And so they they learn to let go of different things in their life, even though they don't get the same result that they always get when they do it themselves. Sometimes they get a better result. Often they get a better result. Every once in a while, there's somebody that can't do something as good as you. Would you say it's kind of like a team it's like when you have that team, that way you all have your own, everybody has their own part in a sense, right? but you're all kind of like a brotherhood. Yep. So if, if I fail at something or you fail at something, we're all together, Correct. I can lean on you for the next six months. And then when you fail, you can lean on me for the next six months and a, then eventually a little different, you hit. A little different than that. Cause that's, uh, that's very, um, linear, right? And I think most business people establish hierarchies. Right. Where there's not you could be peers and you could be equal when you're sitting down and having a discussion. But from an organizational perspective, there's some hierarchy. So there's authority that's given to certain people to make decisions. And some people don't have have that authority. And that's very important when you're trying to build your team and figure out how do you achieve more? How do you get other people to help you achieve your goals? That's what you've got to focus on is who, who can you give that accountability to? So that they have the authority and the responsibility. So when you're when you're in your twenties and you're building these businesses and hiring all these people, when somebody comes in and you're for a job, what what's like three or four things you look for that 
like, you know, like when you sit down, like yeah. if I interview somebody, mm -hmm. I might sit there for the five minutes out of respect, but usually within 60 seconds, <laughs> you, you <laughs> already know. know. Right. At, at the 60 second mark, yeah. either you know that they're just going to go yeah. or at the 60 second mark, you're interested. You want to hear what they have to say. Yeah. So could you give me three things when you would go to hire somebody as you do now? Sure. With all, I mean, you got yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. What's what's something you would do when so you go to hire? We typically do some type of an assessment prior to having a meeting because we want to know if the skills are there, if we're doing skills-based testing, or we want to know that the culture fit is there if it's more of a cultural position fit because it otherwise we could get fooled. You know, you meet somebody, you like them, you know, it's that first 60 seconds you get that positive impression. Now you want to hire them. Right. But really they don't have the skills and they don't have the culture fit. It's like you're doing yourself a disservice. So we screen for that in advance. So you screen it in advance. And I'm asking this because, you know, people are trying to hire like crazy. Now. Yeah, right. Nobody wants to work. But those that do, you know, you got you got every Tom, Dick and Harry that are coming to work. But the right. ones that you want. You know, they're tough to get. Yeah. So you, so you screen them first yeah. and you make sure that they are who they say they are. Right. right. And then, you know, in my business, I have two sets of uh, really three sets of people that I collaborate with my partners and partners with me. You know, typically I say I don't carry the laboring or in a partnership. My partner's the one that has to do more of the work. So, you know, I, I build partnerships where that's an, an agreeable part of the partnership. And then I have uh, executives, people who have authority and accountability and responsibility, but they don't have ownership. And in some cases, they have some small ownership, but you know, not they don't have a lot of control, right? They can't make a hundred percent of the decisions without input from a partner. Uh, and then there's the rest of the team, and the rest of the team they all have their own accountability responsibilities, but you know, it's it's at a different level, right? And sometimes. Uh, you know, we don't get those right all the time. You can't always find winners the first time around. Now, I I can only imagine what your portfolio looked at at like 23 when you've already made, whether you lost it or not, right. you know. But a portfolio is very important, right? So if somebody is, say, 30, 40, and they never made a portfolio, times are tough. Yeah. And how how would you start to make your portfolio? Then you got to start by investing in yourself. That's the that's the for number one investment is invest in your own education and skills and training and mindset and and you, you know, like write down everything you accomplish save everything like how how do you do it from uh, like A to Z what would be the the way to get started working on yourself yeah I think you have to figure out what it is that you like to do with your time and identify if there's an opportunity to do that for profit for some people there is for some a lot of people there isn't. But if you can identify what it is you want to do with your free time and you can make a living at it, do that. That's the best. So I always thought like a portfolio was like this little piece of paper and I go, here, this is what I've done. Isn't that a portfolio? Oh, you mean like a, 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 a resume? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about a portfolio. Oh, but got I, it. I thought a portfolio was like, so most like, a, people, nice, like a nice laminated it thing. Is. <laughs> it is also what you invest in. Oh, right. And like your portfolio of investments. So, you know, m many people come to me because they want to have their portfolio of investments evaluated. But we typically work with people that have 
substantial portfolios. I know. Right? I, I read this whole article in you on the you were in the Atlantic. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if okay. you know I don't know it. if yeah. I know it. Some lady you know it, we have this guy that comes in, uh, Matt Cox once in a while. And the same lady that wrote on him wrote a three page article. On him? Yeah. Oh, yeah? On the, yeah, on you. All right. I'll I'll send it to you when okay. we get off. And in the article she was talking about how you were very very strict about portfolios. Yeah. So that's what I asked you because okay. I don't you know, I don't really know how to make a portfolio. Do you, do you have a portfolio? I don't. I was going to ask him that. Like, how, how does one, you know, you know, I have some stock. I have some, you know, 401k. But for somebody younger, right, how do you get started with, a, like, a portfolio? Or yeah. know, like, you know, the stock market right now is not the best. But is this the time to get into it? Buy low, they always say, right? Yeah, right. If things are low. How, how do you get somebody young, I guess? So the the, the rule number one... I, actually have a, uh, a download that you could find on my website called 26 actions for abundance and it's basically my my rules because I, I I figured out you know I should tell people what are the rules that I believe get you to become rich beyond money uh, and, and it spent a lot of time trying to work on it to figure it out because people would ask me that question you know what should I do to become rich and it was kind of hard to answer uh, I think if you go to about us by the way, I love that. Yeah. I, I could stare at that. Drone shot, baby. Oh, uh, and is that and, what it is? <laughs> and, he, he's a drone guy. And day. our philosophy. I think that's... That's yeah. that's a badass drone shot, right, Ron? <laughs> yeah, I like it. So, yeah. So, I, I, I put these together. Um, kind of... I, I was semi-retired for a number of years. And then I decided to get back in this business. In large part, because uh, what I was just sharing about, you know, finding something you love and then making a living at it. That's what happened to me. I realized when I was, you know, hanging around that the people I really love to help are entrepreneurs. And so if I'm going to dedicate my life to helping entrepreneurs, I'm going to do it and I'm going to make money at it too. And it, that'll make it even more fun for me. That's This is really good. Yeah, look, yeah, read some of them, Rob. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, these are really good. And there's, 20, there's 26. I can go through them all, but we got... Um, yeah, read, read uh, the first 12. We got... Uh, sorry, the thing just went on over here, but I got it here. Um, you know, invest in yourself, uh, expand your horizons, come from a place of love, invest in yourself, work harder than smarter, be courageous enough to have uncomfortable conversations, give generously, make a mark, spend less than you earn, create your own luck, take care of yourself, build your network. Build your network. Yeah, and right after that, own your attitude. Build your network and own your attitude. Yeah. Those stick out. Those are big ones, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's it's hard because most people don't want to think about what does it take. You know, they just kind of want to go through life and wake up in the morning and shower and try their best at work and come home and try and love their family. And, and they're like, okay with that now. You know, like, I don't see a lot of go-getters anymore. Yeah. You know, I mean... That, just me personally. I, I don't see guys just, you know, effort. I'm going out. I'm right. going to do what I can. If I got to work three jobs to make, you know, 10000 so I can open up a little, you know, ice cream right. stand because that ice cream stand turns into 10 ice cream stands, you right. know, and I just don't see it anymore. Do you? Uh, I'm, I'm not exposed to it. So I believe it exists and I still believe in that dream. Uh, I, I met a young man. Uh, who had dropped out of college to become a full-time real estate investor. And I met him at a conference and he happened to live around the corner from me. So he said, you know, can I, can I call you? <laughs> so I said, well, 
you can meet me one morning at 7.30 and we'll go for a walk together. Okay, great. So he came over the next week. We went for a walk and he's hustling, you know? And so I want to support the hustle, you know? And I want to make myself available to coach someone like that because I think when you have that attitude, you're going to you're gonna make it happen. Uh, one you, thing, you've one, already given me a better attitude. Hey, one thing, I would <laughs> te- one thing I teach my kids, and it comes from my dad. My dad can talk to anyone, and I get that too, like, Going to the grocery store, my wife will be like, oh, my God, let's just go. Like, go start talking to anybody. <laughs> you know, you never learn the knowledge you might learn from somebody, the, the you know, connections you might have from somebody. And just listening to people that are older than you that have experienced things, the knowledge you can gain. I think a lot of kids don't do that anymore. They yeah. don't look out to the, the people that have been there and done that. They just think, oh, well, he has a million dollars. I want a million dollars. Well, how did that guy get there? He, he got there somehow. Yeah. Well, that's why I've kind of turned my life to creating content and spending more time focusing on content because I think there are certain things that I've learned in my lifetime that other people haven't learned yet. And if I could share it with them and get them to their goals faster, then that's a great contribution for me to have made. And one huge thing that I, I, in my opinion, that you do is you take, I I assume it's from the forensic accounting, but even what you're doing now and everything else. You'll take a complex situation and you'll make it simple. Oh, thanks. And I assume that you do that so then that person eventually can make their own decisions. Is that right? Yeah, so that's part of the forensic accounting training is that uh, what most people don't know, even if they know that forensic accountants testify in court, is that we have to write a report. So you have to have a written report. And that report is going to be written, read by a judge and another lawyer. They're not accountants. I don't want to be a friend. Right? No. And so you have, to, you have to be able to become a storyteller. Yeah. And, and let them know with the numbers what the story was. And so that was great training for me. I was never uh, kind of English oriented as a young student. I was always math oriented. And then since college, you know, I've, been, I've written a bunch of books. And a lot of that was from all this report writing that I had to do as a forensic accountant. But when you were in college, you took philosophy. Yeah, I was a philosophy minor, yeah. What made you want to take philosophy? Uh, Although I, I believe that it, it applies to everything that you do, Yeah. but at the time. Um, at the time, I think I've always wondered, you know, the big questions in the world. And I never really cared to spend my life answering them because I didn't think it was profitable and would give me the life that I wanted. But... Uh, but I knew I, I loved math and I liked, wanted to spend more of my time with money because that's the most fun thing for me. Uh, but the philosophy was really interesting. Although I got my uh, my only C in college was in my philo- one of my philosophy classes. Really? I was so pissed. <laughs> and, and not only did I get a C, but I paid somebody to write a paper for me with the hope wow. that I could get a B. Uh, you know? Yeah, paid and you still yeah, got it. Bad investment. Bad investment. Bad investment. Here's the guy with 70 companies. Yeah, right. Why don't you give the guy another 100? <laughs> <laughs> At least you would got a C he plus. Was, the guy who wrote it was pissed too. <laughs> <laughs> but if you would have given him 10 grand, you would have got a B. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you take that and then you end up doing all kinds of other stuff. Now, I want to touch on this book a little bit and then go over your website. Yeah. So now, when you wrote this, how many pages was this initially? And thank you for signing this book. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I mean, when you write a book, you have to decide how long you want it to be before you write it. So the target was, you know, 30,000. We had to get to 30,000 words. 
That was the goal. That was the goal. Yeah. So it was. It, I have this very long bonus chapter, <laughs> in part because we needed the the binding to be a certain thickness, so you could have the title on the binding. Are you serious? Yeah. And so you know, I think it's really an unfortunate. So I I'm a I'm a book lover. I've been reading a book a week for twenty years. Right. So don't you miss that paper? Yeah. I, I, no. I, I I won't read with my eyes anymore. I only read with my ears. You're the audio, uh, All, only audible. Yeah. I w- I would have put money on it that you you would yeah, have had no, to have the paper. I'm an auditory learner. Yeah, yeah. Really, uh, even in class when I went to you know, all throughout school I never took notes. I just I like to absorb it in my ears, and that's enough for me. See, I'm visual. You're right. I'm visual. So yeah. so you could tell me a hundred times how to make something, right? And I'll I'll have no idea. Like if you tell me, right. if I read it, I still won't be able to do right. it. I just right. like the feel. Of you got to touch it. Yep. But if I watch you do it, like I, like I'm watching you take a drink. If I watch you do that three or four times, I can kind of right. like a little bit. I'm not saying I'm anything great, but I kind of have a little bit of photographic memory. Right. That's why I can code so well. Yeah. Because I can remember two thousand lines. Like I can wow. already see it. You know. I'm stupid at it. I can't swing a hammer. <laughs> don't give me a hammer because I'll end up hitting, right. hitting the wall that you don't want me to. You yeah. know? <laughs> but when it comes to things like that, like I can see it. Like I can remember it. So I can look at this and I could read that one time, right. look at it, and five minutes from now I could tell you what it says. Oh, wow. That's cool. Don't test Maybe me you'll get my name <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, oh he no. He it. just gave he, he did it right. He did it right. <laughs> so, yeah, I always ask that because- you know, sometimes people will come in and they write these books and they write like 900 pages, 900 right. pages. And I say, buddy, do you really think like somebody's going to publish 900 pages? Right. Well, I want to get everything out, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah. but the, you did it right. Yeah. You had your, your word amount. Right. And then, and that saves time, right? Yeah. And well, then it saves money. Huh? And it also saves the reader, right? It's the I bullshit. Think you kind of identified one of my strengths, which is simplifying the complex and, you know, I said I do a lot of English to English translation. Like I talk to lawyers and then I tell the clients what they say, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I, I think I do the same thing with concepts that I've learned that I'm able to figure out how to distill it and educate somebody else about it in a way that they can perceive it and grasp it and understand it. Wow. I how, can't believe How long did it take to to write that, I guess, or come up with yeah, so it. it was it was a three year project, but it, but two of the years were spent doing research, and then uh, the the last year was actually like writing the book, and it took you know far too long in some ways. Uh, you know, the the second book went much faster, the third book went even faster, and now I do them once a quarter, pretty much. We're we're starting to get into that habit. Oh, nice. But now they're all eBooks, yeah. and what I find is that I could you know, create the same amount of value in a 30 to 60 minute read as opposed to trying to give somebody, you know, everything all at once. Like, you know, great examples that kind of list we were just doing those 26 actions for abundance. Like that takes eight minutes to read, you know, but right. I think there's a lot there. Yeah, no, there's a lot there. And that, and you're right, because a lot of times I will get the audiobook to listen to when I go, you know, before right. I go to bed, and it's so long. Yeah. And I'll listen to half of it, even if it's good. Right. It's just so long. Yeah. You know, but when you get one, it's like you said, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, you'll knock it out. Yeah. You know, and that, that's really smart. I never yeah. thought about it like that. So that's what I, I do a lot of uh, webinars and like uh, seminars now. Yeah, I saw that up there and I was like, oh boy. Yeah. No, no, it was really, what are you doing up there, Noah? I'll pull back. That was actually a good one. That's that's a, a talk that I gave. Uh, it was my first short talk. Uh, it was a, a was your first one. Yes, yeah, it was a twelve minute talk, 
and it's about uh, you know what if you won the lottery and it talks about a little bit about my story and how I've approached life always thinking about what would change if I won the lottery and then using that to figure out how do I really want to live my life because I've always been so money motivated so that's uh, kind of a story about that yeah pull up uh, tab two yep uh, LinkedIn because you got a whole thing on LinkedIn yeah I mean it's huge <laughs> I mean, I mean how, how many businesses have you had these oh I, I wouldn't even you count. can't even count yeah, I can't, you can't even count, count. yeah uh, right <laughs> you know, just, I'm like this 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 I'm like what is yeah. this wow. I know I've been accused of uh, you know having that kind of ADHD where I, I just enjoy playing with money and you know there's all these different ways you could play with money and I find them all fascinating and fun and maybe I'd have more of it if I was more focused but I don't need more don't feel bad because uh, I have a daughter I have a two-year-old almost two-year-old daughter and the mother of my daughter her mom looked me up to see who I was and whatever and she saw like third 20 LLCs in six years, right? <laughs> so she's like, he's up to something he's doing, and I'm not. It's just I'll open up a business. I'll get it starting to run. And as soon as I hear, like, you know, it's going down or they're going to put more tax on it, boom, before anybody knows, I sell it. I'm out of it. I take the capital, start over again. Right. So when – and I had to explain this to her mom, and I'm like, look. Look at each one. I have privacy encryption pros. That was when Hillary Clinton got nailed with all the emails and stuff, oh, and everybody right. was talking about encryption. So I opened up an encryption store because I know how to encrypt stuff. Okay. So people were flying in. Can you encrypt this? Can you do that? Boom, boom, boom. Killing it. I mean, killing it, Noah. I mean, killing it. And it was $900 a month rent for wow. my little store. Mm. And I mean, just smashing it, just going in the back, encrypting it, boom. But then when they started when they started to not talk about it so much in the news, boom, sold the store. Oh, interesting. Right out. And then I went into vapes. Oh, Vapes cool. and beer and wine. Ooh, All right. No, oh, we'd, we'd be here for Now no vapes. Uh, Jewel just got me. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm going to do about uh, that. You see that? <laughs> they pulled Jewel. These Jewel things? Mm -hmm. I, I never even smoked cigarettes. But right. For, because I had a, a bunch of vape shops and then I had a wholesale vape right. thing so I could sell it wholesale because I didn't want to be the shop. You know. Yeah, yeah. So I got into this, and today the FDA is make, making these not be able to be made. Really? Yeah. Just the one brand? <clears throat> Just Juul, and then they're trying to make cigarettes with less nicotine in them. Interesting. From the FDA. Wow. That's it. I can't believe that. Uh, yeah, it's a big deal. Don't touch my cigars. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the next thing. You, yeah. You'll be smoking uh, green grass. <laughs> All right, now let's go through a little bit of your LinkedIn here. Okay, so we'll start with pers personal CFO to affluent divorced women. Yeah. Now, women are a big thing, big thing. Like, you really want to help. <laughs> I, I mean, no, really. Right. So explain that one. So uh, I mentioned that I used to testify in court as to how much money people made and how much their businesses were worth. So my clients were divorce lawyers. And <clears throat> I also mentioned my dad sold his accounting firm. So a year before my dad sold the accounting firm, I was ready to get out. <clears throat> and I wanted, I was trying to figure out like, okay, well, what's going to be my next move? I decided I wanted to open a family office for affluent divorced women. There did not exist one in the country. And I knew these divorce lawyers, they all trusted me. I knew that I'm always going to do the right thing. And so if I always do the right thing, then people are going to eventually know that and they're going to send me these women who have no idea what's going on with money and I'm not going to screw them. 
<laughs> Rob, he was the first one in the world. He, he, he was. Wow. Yeah. And Congratulations. So, thanks. Yeah, it was, it was, it was great. Other, you know. Uh, world. It was it was really fun. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And um, and so I built that business over the first couple of years when I left my dad's practice. And there's a kind of an interesting story where I left my family business when my wife left work as a teacher because we were having our first kid. So we went from having like, you know, 200 grand in income to zero. Oh, income. yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. I know. My house used to be like a bachelor pad. Right. Now it's a kid's R.I. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, I, I left that the accounting firm, started this family office for affluent divorced women, grew that business. I, I really like being on that side of the table instead of the litigation side because here I am like helping them rebuild their life as opposed to like, you know, this dealing guy's with the wrong, acrimony. That guy's right. wrong, all it the was, bullshit. And I didn't get, you know, like I was just incentivized to help them get this divorce settled and, you know, move on with their life. And my personality being what it is, I'm very empathetic, but I'm also a really good negotiator. It helped me, you know, kind of get them into a better space in their life. When you're getting, when you start to negotiate with somebody, what's the first what's like a one good liner when you're when you're opening up? Okay, hi Noah, hi Tommy. What's a good one-liner when you're when you're ready to negotiate? What's a good one-liner that's not too much, not too fast? Yeah, too I'm I'm kind of the opposite strategy. I'm yeah. I, I I always want to find out what you want. So you just go right for I it. I want to know exactly what you want. I want to understand what's going on in your head. I want to know what you're feeling. I want to know why you feel it. So no game, no games with you. It's, Zero. It's, it's, I like that. Yeah. Uh, that's no, it's really just nice. you know, yeah. for me, that's if I can get if I can understand what you want then I'll help you get there because that's what I'm good at. See, you just taught me because no, see my, my dumbass will sit there and I'll play the devil's advocate right. and then test them and waste my time. Yeah. Instead of just getting to the point, like, look, yeah. you want to do it or not? A, yes. Right. B, no. Because if you don't, eventually Go somebody will. Right. You know? So. Good move. Yeah. Right. Go around circles. And right. I think that's one of the reasons I'm a good partner. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, no. And I'm not kissing your ass. No, yeah. no you really are. I mean, that I mean that's how you do it. Yeah, and then you go to tax estate and financial planner for entrepreneurs. Yeah, where the hell was that at? Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. Yes, yeah, so that was after I moved down here. Yeah, uh, you moved down here in what? Uh, 11? Eleven. Yeah. Eleven. Yeah. And and then you go to Puerto Rico. Yeah, I I didn't go there. My brother is there. My brother runs that business. Is he still there? He's still there. And ah, uh, uh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Your wife like that, right? Yeah, she's from Puerto Rico. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So they have some really good tax incentives to open your business in Puerto Rico, and that really? that got me interested in moving, in opening two companies there. Uh, but in order to have the businesses there, I needed somebody you, to you work there. there right? So I asked my brother if he was interested in that job, and he was. What's the incentive that they give you over there? You only pay a 4% corporate tax rate. Really? Yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Monster Energy. Tear into a can of the meanest energy drink on the planet, Monster Energy. It's the ideal combo of the right ingredients in the right proportion to deliver a big bad buzz that only Monster can. Monster packs a powerful punch, has a smooth, easy drinking flavor. Athletes, musicians, co-eds, road warriors, metalheads, geeks, hipsters, and bikers dig it. You will too. Monster Energy is more than just the green OG. Monster has Monster Ultra. Juice Monster, Monster Hydro, Rehab Monster, Dragon Tea, Monster Max, Muscle Monster, and many more. Buy on Amazon. 
buy on Walmart, or go to monsterenergy.com and believe me, you'll find a place. Unleash the beast. Monster Energy. You want to well, go to Puerto Rico? Absolutely. All right. All right. Fam- family over there. Yeah. Ready to go. Four <laughs> percent corporate tax rate, and then as a resident of Puerto Rico, you don't pay any dividend tax from your businesses either. So my brother can get a dividend from the company and not pay any tax. What exactly <clears throat> is a dividend? So that's uh, when you have what's called a C corporation. There's two different main types of corporations. One's a pass-through corporation where all the uh, everything flows through to the owner. In a C corporation, it doesn't flow through. The corporation pays its own taxes. And then after it pays its taxes, if there's money in the business and they want to give it to the owners of the business, they give a dividend. Then where would an S corp fall? Or so that's the S corp just that. passes right through to the owner. Right through the owner. Yep. So like I'm an S corp. Yep. So all your income would, and then all your expenses, they go on your tax return. And whatever the last number is, the income on the tax return, that goes over to you. So is it better to to be a different like so if i'm an s corp yeah. is it better to be one of these other corps because you have better like it really depends on what your goals are for the company so m- most accountants just by default open up s corps and partnerships taxed as s corps because it's become like the thing you know it's easy answer uh but there's some businesses that should be c corps and uh most of those businesses are like tech startups, people that are going to bring money into the company through outside investors, um, people that are probably going to keep investing in the business for a while. They're not really going to have profits because they're going to keep rolling their money forward. In a C-Corp, if you do have profits, but you want that money to invest in your business, the tax rate's lower than if you're an S-Corp. So, And can you easily change from an S-Corp to a C-Corp? Like, you could change, what are, and like, it's easy, standards? but there are some other rules and complexities, and so it's, you know. Is it a whole thing? It's a thing, right. Yeah, it's and, a thing. So, like, you don't, <laughs> you'd rather not do it if you don't have yeah. to. Okay. Right? It's a thing. But, yeah. when, but if you're, uh, there's all these different tax strategies that we use for clients, right? So if somebody's going to sell their business, they're going to have an eight-figure exit, we might do some entity switching for them before the sale just to- help improve their tax efficiency yeah, but but nice. that's like you know kind of another level yeah like i yeah. would say seven you know you own your seven, convenience store and above right right, right. yeah so are, you got your convenience store and, and you're not even hitting right. million mark yeah. right yeah so you would probably you would have to say probably at least 10 million and above right otherwise it's pointless pretty much yeah making a million dollars or more 10 million net worth that's yeah. kind of usually what we're helping that that sounds like like a from what you're saying to change to a C, right? It doesn't seem like it would be that big a difference unless you're. Yeah, unless you're dep- if, kind of- if you're going to sell your company, it can make a big difference. There's this like weird rule that a lot of people don't know about, Section 1251 or 1252, 1252, where you could sell a C corp that you've owned for five years, and in certain circumstances, you could pay no capital gains tax on the first ten million of gain. <laughs> And most people don't know that. So they have this S Corp and they start this business and then they sell it for $8 million and they're paying tax on all of it when if their accountant told them to have a C Corp, they would pay no tax. That's what I would have done. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, so, I think I've done it, yeah. actually. <laughs> I, I actually did do it with the engineering company. Yeah. Yeah. I sold it and then I got sued. Oh, wow. I sold it and then got sued later. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even... It wasn't because of me. Yeah. Yeah. I had a... The, the guy who was running my structural engineer, right. he left... And left the structural engineer there by himself, and our insurance because you, know, oh, you right. need you need fifty million, and sometimes you need 
half a billion in insurance to, right. go, to do a building. Yeah. You know, we did one where we needed two billion in insurance. Wow. But the funny thing was, but guess what? The payment was like one sixty a month. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? That's crazy. You know, when when right. you get insurance like that, it, it's called like hoax or whatever it's called. Right. Like it's really not a hoax, yeah. but that's the name of the company. And it's like half a billion, but you only need it till the job's done. Right. And it's like one eighty, one eighty, one eighty. And I'm thinking, well, how if it crashes? You just made six hundred, but then I'm thinking ahead in the bigger picture, well if I have 70,000 people paying me 180. Right. Yeah, and where are the chances? And that one up? crashes, well, okay, so I lost 50%. Right. I'm still getting my other, right? Yeah. See, I'm learning That's how it works. See, I'm learning from you. you know? <laughs> See, Robert, we're Rub it off. smarter oh, over here. Like yeah. We're not the dummies from Philly anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's next here on this uh, power board? Okay, generate passive income. That was, that was your brother, right? Well, well, the, the, no, your brother's on there. Fiji's doing. Uh, it, my brother works in that company, and then he works with uh, Invest with Our Family also. Okay, go to his uh, website. Yeah. Okay, now take us through this from the top, because you've got all kinds of services and and things that you do. So when people look at this, they kind of understand, you know, what's what. Right. Yeah, and you know, it's always hard to communicate with a website, what you could communicate in real time with somebody. And so we have uh, like a whole demo process that we do with prospective families to walk them through our whole philosophy using this really cool model. But we don't put it on our website because it's like our secret sauce, you know? Uh, so if I wanted to get that sauce, how would I get it? Uh, if you go to talktofreedom.com, you, you kind of fill out a bunch of forms so we could learn about you and then you get on the phone with someone on our team and we kind of peel back the curtain and tell you how we could help. Okay, so if I was that guy yeah. and my thing looks good, yeah. you peel back the curtain, right? and, and what do you start saying to me? Uh, I mean, just in general. Yeah, so usually yeah. I would say the top three reasons people call us are they want to pay less in taxes, they want to invest in real estate, or they're thinking about selling their business. Those are the top three reasons the phone rings. Uh, and yet we help them with a lot more than that, but that's why they call. And when we have conversations with them and ultimately what you figure out is they really want financial freedom, right? They want to know that they're secure. And if they have that, they also have things they want to accomplish in their life that maybe they haven't focused on. And, and if we could help them focus on it, they also know that deep within them is some higher purpose, some reason that they're here. And they want to tune into that. And if you could do all those things, if you could have as much money as you want, if you could have the time that you want, and if you could have the meaning that you want in your life, that's what we call being rich beyond money. And so that's what we help people with. <clears throat> when was it in your life? Because all through your life early on, it was money, 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 money. Yeah. When, when did it hit you that money isn't everything? Yeah, money's nice. You can buy stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it comes and goes. So, you know, I, I spent this decade helping divorcing people. And uh, a lot of the families, what I notice is this terrible habit, typically of husbands that ignore their family in an effort to exceed, exceed and excel at work. And they get so much positive feedback from the success that they have in the workplace that that becomes more attractive than the being at home with their family because often that's not easy you know have wife kids it's, yeah. you know that's not an easy but work it's really for people that are highly motivated and successful it's, it, it tends to be very seductive 
because they can achieve a lot. They can measure those achievements. You know, I have a 15 year old and an 11 year old. I like to think I'm doing a good job, but who the hell knows, right? Yeah, right. I got no scoreboard. <laughs> I got no dashboard. I go into my business. I know exactly how I'm doing. So what I learned watching all these families through divorce is that not only is it that like a terrible consequence, it doesn't get you where you want to go. And for the guy that was trying to work to his 10 million, well, now he has five and he's got to do it all over again. So like you really screw the whole thing up. But when you have that mindset like you, like I I work too much too and get yelled at like crazy, but how do you, how do you calm that down? Because you got stuff to get done. You you know, you're not like, I'm not at my goal yet. Yeah. Right. And so it's work, work, and this is just how it's going to be. And if you don't like it, then you don't like it. So, I, you know, our planning process starts with kind of where are you now? Like, what do you got, <laughs> right? What's going on? And where do you want to be, right? And then we're going to figure out how you're going to get there. And some people want to get there as fast as they can. And, and what we try and, like, determine is if speed is, and getting there faster, will that give you a better life? Because if it will, that's the route you should take. But it, there may be a slow wandering path that still gets you there, but it provides you with a much better life. And and so choose the slower path sometimes because you're still because that's the way to get everything you want. That's where the philosophy came into, huh? Exactly. <laughs> yep. So what what was one that maybe you approved? You came in, you, you tried to help. You know, no names or anything like yeah. that. It was just a tough situation, and you thought you had them. You know, you and your team thought you had he or she. Right. And, and what went wrong? Like, what what did they do wrong that it didn't go through? So what I'm asking you is, you know, somebody came to you, yeah. did the check, it's good. Right. Put them in the right direction. Yeah. And then they, they messed it up. So not everybody wants to do the deep work of figuring out what they want with their life. Some people just say, I want to make more money. You know, help me make more money. Help me save on taxes. And we could do that. And sometimes it's fun to do that just because, you know, it's rewarding to help people have more money, right? right? And it's off the cuff to see if you could do it, right? But, you know, the way that we really have an impact on a family is by helping them identify what they really want to accomplish. Now, when, I know we went through this, but when did you feel that you had, I I know you're like a go for it type of guy, but when, when was it where you said to yourself, boom, I'm ready to open this up? I'm ready to take this on the freedom family. Yeah. So this is relatively new the freedom family office. And my wife and I were in Martha's vineyard, uh, last summer. And it, and, and although I had been kind of already transitioning towards freedom family office, it was really just the ability for me to take an existing business that I had. I had to convert a couple of things and moving into this entity. And it was not that interesting. I wasn't really going to do anything that different with it. But I'm standing there and, you know, just trying to reflect on, like, what is it that I really want to accomplish? Because I I tried investing more time in philanthropy and I wasn't getting the rewards that I wanted. I still don't understand philanthropy. I know. I know. I asked. Charity to. to... I know I asked him, but I I didn't get it. Just think charity. 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 Right. Yeah, yeah, same thing. So, you know, I was was giving more of my time to charities. It wasn't 
as much fun as working. Why don't they just call it charity? Yeah. Why don't they call I, it flamping? Because you got to. It, it make, sounds like you're going to get a foot massage. <laughs> Fancier word. You know? Fancy. Yeah. Just but, say freaking yeah, charity. It's a five dollar one. <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, I'm there, and I realized that you know I really love entrepreneurs. I believe that entrepreneurs are heroes. I really do because they're the ones that innovate. They're the ones that are taking risks. They're the ones that are employing people. They're the ones that make the world go round. And so I, I, I've always got a lot of joy from supporting them and helping them succeed. And when I was trying to transition, you know, out of that as being my primary role to kind of giving my time to others to figure out where I can make contributions to the world, I realized my best contribution is to these people who are the ones that are going to make a difference. And if I can make a difference in their family, I know that they're going to be able to impact their employees. They're going to be able to impact their customers. They're going to be able to impact their kids. And so that, that to me became more meaningful. And I know you saw, you know, growing up with your mom and everything else, but what, what all was it that, that for, you were so interested in, in family court and women. I mean, you were the yeah. first person in the world <laughs> for, for the women. I mean, what was it in you or, or what happened to you or, or what did you well, just take just my general. parents circumstances right my dad had a business he made good you know good money enough to send us to college and he paid for college and that was you know what a great gift that he gave us but my mom didn't have the skills and she didn't know what to do oh i see and so you know it was kind of like hey i have these skills i know what to do now unfortunately my mom wouldn't really listen to me yeah right you know you can't doesn't always work that way uh (laughs) but i knew that i had this capacity and then i have that my my personality kind of lent to it as well i see so you saw your mom and she was working her butt off but if she had the skills like you had right and you could have taught her the skills maybe things would have been different totally so then later in life that's what that's that's kind of what kind of bled to that yeah i'm just always interested how things blow up blow up like right so then you decide to do this yeah now when you make this move i know you just said it's just a little bit of a flip right but isn't a big flip because you know it's a different name it's a it's a different everything um yeah it's really focusing on entrepreneurs so you know as as good as i was at helping affluent divorced women i wasn't passionate about it yeah and so it's good that you caught that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was, I was really good and I, you know, I have clients, I tell them I love them. Right. Yeah, like, sure. Cause I do. And, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't my people. It wasn't for you. Right. You know, yeah. I mean, of course, you know, you, you help somebody out and you see them going through some horrible times right. and, and you're the guy who helped them out and yeah. they hug you and you see everybody happy again. Right. Of course, you know, you like to do it. But it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't in your heart. It wasn't my calling. It wasn't your calling. Yeah, and your calling was entrepreneurship. Is with these entrepreneurs because I was doing that in the accounting firm, not just for my dad and helping him scale his company, but I did it for a lot of our clients. I helped them scale and sell their companies. That was really fun. Uh, and then I, I tried doing that on my own when I was retired. Right, I started investing in small businesses, and I'd help them scale and grow, and I'd profit from that activity. But it was. It was too limiting i wasn't going to do that with more than 10 people so i wanted to have a bigger impact and i wanted to figure out how do i you know how could i have that bigger impact and it was through building a team and and finding a way to to put all the resources together so they could deliver what i would deliver or better without me 
And also, I think people like you that are speaking around about how to be an entrepreneur and giving some motivation, I think that's needed right now. Thanks. So I think yeah. this is the time. Yeah, right? well, I'm okay. trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I mean, kinda, you couldn't have picked a better time, buddy. I uh, I made a commitment for 2022 to produce more content and, and talk more. And uh, I just finished the first draft of my next presentation, which is called How to Become Rich Beyond Money. So I'm real excited to start delivering that in September. That's going to come in September. Yeah, yeah, and I'll make a book out of that—a little short ebook, also. Now, now, and you can make an ebook like that. I bet it's because you already have days. it. In your head. Yeah, yeah it takes cool. ninety days. Yeah, not bad. So now, when did you like? We saw the picture on on the main screen. So that was your first, basically, like speaking event, right? That was my first short talk. Short talk. Yeah. Well, what's a short talk? So that was like kind of like a TED talk. It was yeah. a competition, a short talk competition. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I won, <laughs> which was very nice. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and uh, it was really fun to do and prepare for. We, that was- um, You know why you won? Because you had a nice background. Everybody felt <laughs> bad for it. <laughs> so, uh, they thought, we don't want to embarrass them. <laughs> right. That's, uh, the EO is the Entrepreneurs Organization. It's a group I've been part of for 10 years. Really influential, big part of my life. and. Uh, uh, so I had the opportunity to speak at one of our regional events where there's 600 entrepreneurs that get together for learning. So Now, have you flown around to other countries with your entrepreneurs, like talking or not, anything like that? Not other countries, in part because I'm U.S.-centric, in part because I'm an English speaker, in part, yeah, yeah. you know, it, my message is kind of a lot around taxes often, and so one makes it sense doesn't make sense. Else, yeah. um, but I, I actually, I gave that talk, that short talk I gave to EO Europe. They had an, an event, and I, I delivered it there over okay. Zoom. Mm -hmm. Really? You know, I don't, I don't, I'm sure you know. It's so funny. Like, when you when you make a speech here and you put it online, yeah. maybe you'll get 50 people that watch it. But if you send it overseas, yeah. you, you have 50 <laughs> million people watching, and they can't even understand it. Right. But, they, but it's an American. You know? yeah. So they want to know what's going on, what you got to say. Uh, yeah. It's unbelievable. Okay, that's cool. Maybe I got to try that. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable how, mu how much they're interested in what's going on over here. Yeah. So now, what is your next? So you did the TED Talk, and then right. what, what happened after that? Uh, then, co you know, kind of COVID came, uh. and- a friend asked me, hey, will you do a Zoom event for my chapter, my EO chapter? And so I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. That's a good idea, you know? And and really, I only started producing content. Kind of that talk was maybe my second go-round. I used to do talks for marketing for my business. But again, it wasn't something that I was passionate about. It was it was more, you know. Like going through the routine. And yeah, you know, sure it was more trying to sell something, yeah. right? Which isn't really my style. Uh, and so... I started getting into these talks because of COVID. I wanted to help people. And so I came up with a list of 23 tax ideas that most people hadn't heard of. And then I developed this talk around things that I've done for my family, which are really uncommon. And people are like, how did you figure that out? I was like, I figured it out because I didn't want to pay taxes. So I had to figure out how to do that, you know, and I don't want to go to jail either. So, <laughs> you know, you got to figure it out. Yeah, that's not the one you right. want. That's, those are the IRS, right. that is not the ones you want knocking. Definitely not. Because yeah. they are, they're not blue right. and they're not red. They just come. And that, yep. you do not want them ever coming. Not at all. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so anyway, uh, that friend asked me, then there was someone on that call that said, oh, you know what? Can you speak to my group? Can you speak to my group? And so uh, I, I just did 10 talks this quarter. I'm really happy about oh, that. Oh, good for you. Yeah. Wow. Now, how bad did COVID affect your businesses in general? Mm, not too bad? No. I mean, I had one business 
We lost 95% of our revenue in in one week, uh, and it didn't come back. Uh, we do f- um, websites for franchise brands, and most of the, our franchise clients were in the health and wellness space, so salons and spas, yeah. nail salons, gyms, they all closed. Yep, I got killed. Yeah. Cause I do SEO, like I was telling you, okay. about my pages, yeah. and I had a... Uh, I don't want to say the gym's name, but it was a gym in New York. Yeah. Down, like downtown New York, Times Square. And this is how crazy this was. So it was for like celebrities to go to. Yeah. Uh, you know, baseball players. that They're just going to go work out and not be bothered, right? It's like 5000 a day to go there. So they had, now imagine what they're paying in rent. Right. Okay. They're paying a lot in rent. Remember, I did all their, their all the websites so I know I could see everything. A lot in rent. During that time with COVID, now if you can pay five thousand dollars to go in there for one day, right? You're you you're you're doing pretty well, mm. and a membership was fifty seven thousand a month. Wow. Okay. Or you could pay, or you could go a year for half a million. Okay. Okay. Now if you ha- if you initially sign up for that, you have money a lot. Okay. Yeah. So they had. You know, seven. or you want to do a Ponzi scheme, or that's you want to yeah, place yeah, for yeah, a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But so, you know, I'm, I'm SEOing it like hell, but they had to close. They were in New York, so they had to close, close. So now while they're closed, the rent is that, yeah, that right. half a million dollar rent is still coming in. And one, but you wouldn't believe this, one by one, all the reoccurrings, you know? Yeah, right. That no. 57,000 reoccurring, boom, changed their card. Yep. Changed the account number. Boom, boom, boom. Lost 90 million. Wow. <clears throat> Tried to open back up. I mean, I put all my time into it. Didn't even charge them. I, I said, look, three months is on me. And I got it back to 80%, but that didn't take away right. all that loss. Yeah. And it was, a, you know, it was a man and a woman, and they had kids. And, you know, I mean, I mean, they had a couple million left, but, I mean, they got crushed. Yeah. And they had to close. Well, we have this uh, lingering issue with COVID where our tenants in some of our uh, buildings in some different counties, especially around Atlanta, they don't want to pay their rent anymore. And we can't get them out. Mm. The courts are saying, yeah, we're not going to get them out. So the tenant can go look and they could see that it's not going to be heard for six months. So they're saying, well, I'm not leaving. Ugh. And so, you know, if you offer them, hey, we leave if I give you a thousand bucks? No way. Six months of rent. That's six grand. I'm not leaving. And then, and I'm and, not going to pay him six grand. Right. Right. And you just got to sit there and eat it. I got to sit there and eat it. Mm. It's terrible. What do you see happening with with the real estate market? What do you see happening? Yeah, so I'm in a certain segment of the real estate market, so that's really the only segment that I study, which is multifamily housing. Uh, There is a lack of demand, lack of product, so there's more demand than there is supply for multifamily housing. So that's That's good for it. Yeah. Uh, The interest rates just went up. That's all. And so when interest rates go up, if you want to go buy a house it's costing about twice as much as it did two years ago. Oh, yeah. Right? So in your monthly payment. So what does that mean for me as a landlord? My tenants can't leave because they can't afford to buy a house anymore. Yeah. Right? So that's not so bad for me. Uh, and then, you know, I think wages are going up because inflation is up. And when, you know, I just was on the phone today with one of our investors. He said his uh, raises at his company were up over 10% this year, the highest ever. Now, why why is that? Because from a person on the outside, you would think it would be low. 
because the inflation is high, you know, everything's so expensive. Right. So I'm just the, thinking like the employees the are saying, hey, yeah. I need to make 23 an hour. You know, I was making 19. I need to make 23. I can't afford my gas. I can't afford my milk. Right. I can't buy my kids clothes. So you have to. You have so to. You got to pay them. You got to pay them. And now, meanwhile, don't feel so bad for him. His revenue's up 12 percent, too. And his costs are, you know, so everything's just going up. And so as a landlord, my rent, which last year was at 1200 it might be at 1350 already this year. I'm sure. And maybe next year it's going to go to 1400 or 1450 right? And my debt, the amount I have to pay the bank to, to kind of pay off the mortgage I took, that doesn't change. It stays in the same number. Yeah. Yeah, so as I in. raise those rents, I keep making more money. Yeah. So that's no, good. So I'm, I keep buying real estate. We got a, a closing. We sold something today. I'm wait, I, I was waiting before I came here to get the, the wire kit, and yeah. the wire didn't hit today, but it should hit tomorrow. But it, it's a uh, it's something to be excited about. It's a day that I'll remember. So, oh, good for you! Yeah, you hit, you hit, you yeah, right. Call. So, uh, but we're we're buying also. Yeah, right? we're selling and we're buying. Yeah, I mean, I, me and him both, we looked around and houses that used to be a million, yeah, are now like a million dollar house on its best day yeah. is now four million. Yeah, easily, it's wild. You know, I've got a lot of friends that are living in houses they can never buy right now. Yeah. And like a place when I first moved down here where I lived, I paid, I think it was 4000 a month to yeah. rent. That same place, to rent is $7,500. Yep. Oof. That's exactly. A, the quay. Yeah. That's that's why I like being a landlord. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wish I was a landlord too. Yeah. Because you're, you're locked into that fixed rate right. from, you know, yeah. whenever you, 10 years ago, whatever. So. Yeah. For you, it's great. <laughs> great. Yeah. Now, again, sometimes, you know, people weren't paying during COVID. Yeah. That sucked. And But don't feel bad for me. The prices went up, you know? So I, I, I tell people it's terrible what's happened where you, you breed this culture of, you know, people that just say, oh, wait, the government's going to take care of me, you know? Nice. The government's going to take care of me. I don't need to do anything. I'll wait for a check. I, I hope that that gets out of people's heads yeah. really quick. Yeah. Don't you? I, think, I hope so. I think it's starting to. You think it's starting to get out of their head? I think so. Some. Because of crypto crashing? I just think in general people, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. There's still people that want the free handout and free thing, but I think uh, I think it's getting out of some of their heads. They're seeing things now like, wow, look what, how everything's kind of turned. Yeah, yeah. I think in a, in a way I think you're right because at first it was like, oh, free check, free right. check, free check. Yeah. But what is the result of that free check? Well, I, I, I read something that uh, there's a significant shift in the Latino and African-American voter base yeah. from Democrat to Republican. Which is like completely and, unheard of. Yeah, and, and they're, they're basically trying to destigmatize being Republican for people of color. And you know, that's a big challenge after what we went through with president Trump. And I think, you know, yet the people are still saying, wait a minute, I don't, I don't like what we have with the blue. And so I got to go with the red. And but then I don't like the red. So right. I want the blue. Right. It's like, I, I'd want somebody in the middle. That's pretty purple. You know, him yeah. and I say this all the time. <laughs> we say this all the time. We don't care if you're red, you're blue, just do the right thing. Right. We just want the best. Yeah. You know, and it's just all this political. Yeah, no, yes. And now they're, they're the guy. They're still going. I mean, whether you like Trump or you don't like Trump, they're still going after the guy. Right. Leave him alone. <laughs> he's out. I don't. Yeah. I'm, I highly doubt he's he, he's acting like it. I highly doubt he's going to run again. Right. Leave him alone. You got enough out of him. Yeah. You know. Can you believe it? They're trying. They've been on that court thing for mm. two weeks. Yeah. I try not to follow the news because I don't think it brings me much value. No, there's uh, no value. No. Yeah. I I have a uh, you know a Google news feed. 
I look at that in the morning. Usually it's, you know, based on what I'm searching for. So, you know, there's a car I'm looking to buy. I'll get some yeah. car reviews, you know. Yeah. I just put the news on, like, I'm on a computer all day, so right. it's just kind of background noise. Yeah. And because there's nothing else on TV, period. <laughs> right. So I just put it on for background noise. And once in a while, I look up and I'm like, what? Another another shooting? <laughs> More inflate? Now it's $8? You know, just yeah. bits and pieces. I can't sit there and stare well, at it. I'll go I'm, nuts. I'm writing one of my quarterly newsletters, and uh, kind of the topic is around inflation. And when I go fill up my tank, I have so much gratitude that it doesn't affect me, you know, that I could fill up my tank and I could still go out to eat and, you know, really uh, makes me feel good that I made all the decisions yeah. that led me to not feel like this is a crisis for my family. Well, remember when you were 13, yeah. you said, yeah, if I have money, I can make choices. Right. And now here you are and you don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, you got to look at it and be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I mean, even if, yeah, right. I mean, even you know, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world, but his money's all tied up. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, how much liquid do you think he has? Not much, almost nothing. It's he doesn't need up. it because yeah. he can borrow against yeah. the stock. So the best, uh, the the biggest secret that most people still don't understand is that wealthy people buy, they borrow, and then they die. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you're wealthy, you never want to sell your stuff because then you have to pay taxes. Right. But if you could borrow against it, you don't have to pay any tax. Uh, and then when you die, so right too. when you That's die, true. the government gives you what's called a step up in basis. So when your kids sell it, they don't have to pay tax either. Now, they, you might have to pay estate tax, but you know it gives you a, a, a great way to build wealth over time. So now this paper that you got coming out, yeah. can, can you give us a little bit more hints or you can't say on, too much? On, on what it is to become rich beyond money? No, no, on the inflation. Oh, oh, on the inflation? Yeah, no, it's just kind of my sentiments around well, inflation, which I think is you've got to focus on your skills and your capabilities because the best way to beat inflation is to be more valuable. Yeah. And if you're more valuable, you're going to figure out how to earn more, you know, invest better, and all those things, and that's what's going to beat inflation every time. It's not, oh, you should put your money in gold or real estate. It, yeah, all that stuff it might be true, but if you focus on your skills, if you focus on your income, you could make 10% more. That's going to cover whatever more things are going to cost. So if if however many people are watching this and they're like, oh, we have to save this, we got to cut this, blah, 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 what would you, what would you tell them to do? Uh, I think... You know, Mark Cuban actually had this advice and it's great advice, which is find coupons of stuff that you're going to need and buy as much of it as you can. That's pretty, Be pretty good answer. Yeah, because, uh, you know, same. if you could save that money on groceries, yeah. that you know, you could save four or five hundred bucks a month just on the groceries. And then doesn't that kind of go back what we used to say? If you if I have twenty dollars, right. even though we're talking about something else, but if I have twenty and I make a dollar and a dollar without the Ponzi scheme, right, right? right? So like you're saying, right? Yeah. Like that's basically what Cuban was you saying could, in so many words. Right. You could just, you know, you could, you, you accumulate, plus the prices of toilet paper are going to go up. The price of, you know, beans are going to go up. The, every, the price of rice is going to go up. Everything's going to go up. There's this, you know, I don't know how deep you want to get, but, you know, with this no, Russia war. Yeah, I want to know. Right? Yeah. Uh, I want to pick your brain. Russia produces a lot of the wheat and- I think there's supply chain issues that are kind of coming out of that, and there's going to be agricultural issues, and apparently there's uh, potash is made in Russia mostly, which is right. a fertilizer, 
that's used for about two thirds of the crops. Oh, that's mm. right. I and forgot so, about that. And so, you know, that can have an impact. Yeah. I read right? that in the Wall Street Journal. That yeah. They, they have a lot of fertilizer and that will affect yeah. everything. So, you know, it, it, if, you, if you're not wealthy, right, if you're living hand to mouth, the best place to start is to make sure you don't starve, right, and get some food in your house and try and buy it at a discount so that you save some money. If nothing else, you just save money. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but if if something bad happens, well, now you have you got some food. And I, I'm just picking your brand. I know this isn't yeah. your line. Okay. What do you see happening with Ukraine and Russia? Yeah, totally not an expert. But that's at why all. I'm asking you because um, I don't know that I have an opinion. But I would, uh, from what I've synthesized so far, and I don't spend a lot of time researching it. I don't think it's good. Yeah, I don't think there's a good outcome. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't seem like it. No, I don't think so either. I don't think anything will happen to them because they keep saying these war crimes. Right. But, I mean, what are they going to do to them? Um, you know, I, I don't worry about my own family safety. Uh, we're traveling this summer, and I'm not going to Russia. Don't go to Turkey. I'd like, to, I'd like right? to have you back in again. Yeah, right. Stay exactly. the fuck away from Russia. So, you know. These guys going to Ukraine. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, what's his, the guy that he was married to Madonna forever? He came back and he looks like he just got hit by really? a car. Talk, look up who uh, was married to Madonna. Sean remember? Penn? Sean Penn. Yeah. Oh, Sean yeah. Penn, that's right. Did right. You He's him? like a peacemaker. Yeah, he was over there in Ukraine for a month. And right. he came back and I don't know who, who he was doing an interview with. And he looked like he just got drugged through the mud and back. Yeah. And took about 37 perks before he got wow. on the show. Yeah. I mean, he just looked horrible. Yeah. And he couldn't even like talk but he's passionate about it yeah i mean right? good for him. yeah yeah i think that's what you know he's willing to risk his life to hey. try and report on stuff what do you think uh future wise with you know when you look at artificial intelligence when you look at companies that are moving more toward you know say non-workers and using a computer instead of a worker or a robot let's yeah. just say what do you think effect that might have 10 years down the road oh i'm so excited I, I mean, I think we're going to have, you know, we're already eroding the middle class. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to have a lot more people that rely on social services. Um, but I also think a lot of people are kind of happy sitting at home playing video games and <laughs> yeah. getting pizza delivered, you know, and that'll be their life. And if that's the life they want and that's the life that, you know, technology is able to afford them then that's how they're going to live. But I, I think for people who are producers and creators, it's amazing. All this technology enables us to do so many things that we couldn't do. I couldn't, I couldn't live my life the way I live it 10 years ago, 20 years ago, just because the technology didn't exist for me to be anywhere in the world and be able to accomplish the things that I'm trying to. But does it, it, does it concern you that it's going to take your place? Not me. Or your kid's place? Uh, it could take my kid's place if they wanted. I think it'll be able to take anybody's place if they don't want to create enough value. They're going to not have an opportunity to work. Mm -hmm. see, see, I think the problem's going to be... <clears throat> actually, I, 
I actually I read a I, thing yesterday. The robots are they're already they're here. They're, they're basically yeah, here. They're here. And, and if you want fifteen bucks an hour, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. to flip burgers, oh yeah, we're gonna replace you. And, yeah. and the guy who had uh, developed the first uh, robot that has pretty the, the furthest conscience right. at this point, he was talking. Uh, I think it was in the New York New York Times maybe, and he was saying, "Look, it's not going to be an enemy. Isn't we're not at the enemy level yet, right?" You know, these th- it takes years and years and years. This was just created a week ago. We finally right. got it to, you know, I would like a drink. You know, it takes years right. and years of consciousness. Yes, every time you're on the phone, they're collecting the data to put it into a robot so it can beat you one day. Mm-hmm. But it's not coming now. And this is the guy who made it. Right. In my mind, prior to seeing this, you can ask him, I was like 10 years guaranteed. So done I, I think Ray Kurzweil, who's one of the best, you know, forecasters, he had said like 2035, I believe. Yeah. And then he, I don't think he's revised it at all. I'm not sure if he, you know, no, but he, he's still 2035. But I think he kind of still feels like that's on track. And they call that, what do they call it when the, the computer's as intelligent as the hum, yeah, human? Yeah. It's, uh, it's like human con. There's like, a word for it. Yeah. A, a word that says, you know, anyway, yeah. that the, the computers are, are just as good as the human. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, I'm, I'm mixed on it because I think, you, know, you go to some places, and unfortunately, you see some people, and they either a they they don't want to even be there. They give attitude. They're at a job. They're getting paid money, and it's like you're bothering them to go do a service to go get a hamburger. What do you want? Right. And it's like, man, like you're gonna be out of a job. You keep acting like this because they're gonna have enough of. It. They're gonna put a computer in there, and at the same time, there are those people that, and again, it through maybe their own fault. I don't want to say it like that, but maybe you know didn't expand their horizons, and and they just status quo and they're good with going along and you know their jobs are going to get eliminated but yeah it's a tough i don't know i'm i'm, I'm so, you know, it's a I, good thing but you know yeah so, you know i think in the beginning it would be a great thing especially for business right because hey you don't want to work no problem yeah you know? i could buy this one machine for twenty thousand, and yeah. guess what yeah it doesn't break i have a i have a hundred year warranty on it yeah. so i pay twenty thousand one time yep. i don't have to worry worry about you being late or not, but you're still going to need humans, yeah, you know, no and you're going to have the best. Humans. You're going to need humans for a very, very, very long time, right? But if if you, that whole article about 2035, he was saying in 2035 that the robot will be smarter than you. Right. And then that's when the Neuralink thing will come yeah. in with Elon, right. where you kind of... Well, they need rules, right? They need to figure out how to engage in rules where you won't be able to have a computer that's smarter than a human or you know or you know you gotta they gotta come up with some rules i think they haven't agreed on them yet elon has been begging them for right. for a decade yeah to, you know like a space force right for a decade he's yeah. been begging them to start an ai force right because if if you're able to keep it under control i agree with you it will never affect us and it'll be right. a fantastic thing but if you let it get too advanced too fast with the output, and then when you see, you oh. You won't be able to take it back. No, you can't take yeah. it back. Right. And then I think the world's over. Yeah. And then I think <laughs> humans are gone, yeah. and we evolve, and that's it. We go wherever we so go. My and son told me, he thinks, my 15-year-old son, he thinks, well, we're, we won't be on this planet in 100 years. I totally agree with him. Yeah. Rob, how many times have I said yeah, that? Yeah, I said that. Yeah. 100 years. Yeah. That's exactly he what He says I, humans won't be on the earth. He I, said we might be somewhere else, but we're not going to be on earth. Could you please, what's your son's <laughs> name? Jared. Could you please tell Jared I yeah. agree with him 100%. Okay, good. Well, Jared also says he doesn't want to go to college. Well, and, and so his, well, his reason the, is he thinks he can learn anything he needs to on YouTube. And if that's not possible, that 
the four years of time that he would spend at college, he could spend that learning things that would actually be more valuable. And if if I'm willing to spend the money to go to college and instead I give him that money that he could do something with it, mm-hmm. he'll do better in the long run than if he goes to school. I agree with Jared a hundred percent. Yeah. All right, because I told him I kind of agree with you, but I'm 100%. your dad and I don't wanna I don't want you to do that. hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah, because I mean to me the the way it is to me, everybody I know, other than you, I guess, <laughs> that went to college you said is there anything that you're paying this $100,000 loan for that you right. used? Can you name five things? Right. Unless you're going to be like a doctor, maybe. Yeah, if you're going to be a doctor. Right. I was an accountant. Like, I had to go right. to school for that. Yeah. My brother's a lawyer. Yeah. I got yeah. an acupuncturist who had to go to school yeah. for that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I certain things, I think. <laughs> certain things. Yeah, like a lawyer, doctor. Yeah. Or like the necessity. But he doesn't want to do that. No. So. And even if he, let's just say, let's just say my daughter wanted to be a uh Whatever, open up her own business. Yeah. Okay, so she's going to go to school for business management for 60K, 100K, right. 200K, and she's going to get out and have no idea. Right. No idea. She's Because she because she has this piece of paper, you can go get a job. Well, there's 100,000 other people with that piece of paper. Right. But do you know what you're doing? Have you negotiated? Because I know when you're in the college, you're not right. negotiating because who knows what's going on in there. Yeah. You know, so so I, I think that's a big uh, change in... Uh, you know, just the way the world's going to work. Because when we were growing up, it was like, you have to, you go, have to, college. to go to college. If yeah, you don't you go to college, you have a good life. Yeah. Right. And now it's kind of shifting. There, yeah. there, there was an interesting thing. I went to a vacation in Pennsylvania last week and uh, went to my alma mater of Temple University. And uh, so I took my son. He's, uh, he's 15, 10th grade, going to 10th grade. Yeah. So I said, yeah, we'll do a college tour at, at Temple. So uh, I set it up. We got there late because of traffic. So we missed the tour, but we got a private tour. He wants to do business, finance. He's really interested in that type of stuff. And uh, so we did went to the business school and got a private tour. And the lady was telling us afterwards, she's like, listen, uh, when your son, 2025, I believe, I hope that's right, uh, graduates high school. <laughs> yeah, right. My guy's 2025, yeah. <laughs> so so he's, she said there's two factors. One is there weren't as many kids being produced being born for a time period i mean there were of course but not the bigger number that there used to be oh yeah that's, that's and uh there's a lot of colleges a lot a lot a lot so they have a lot of this money and they're fighting for like students so she was saying there's going to be a lot more money out there for yeah. kids too if they decide to go to college i found that interesting though that was what do you think about that uh the cost of college or the value of education like what he said in general uh, I think that the colleges definitely have a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The bigger yeah. universities, they've gotten a lot of money. Tons. Tons, right? <clears throat> yeah. And and I think that's a good thing because if you're, if you're a disadvantaged youth that's a high-performing student, you're going to be able to go to one of these incredible institutions, and that's really worth it because yeah. you didn't have my son's father. Right. Right. And so, you know, I like to think that I get an opportunity to teach my son a lot of the things that I've learned that that I think are important. But some of these children who grew up in fatherless households with, you know, seven siblings and welfare, you give them an education at Stanford, they're going to rule the world. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's a good thing overall that that money is going to kind of continue to trickle down to these students in need. So I guess overall, it'll kind of d- depend on your situation. I mean, I my wife and I, uh, we have a philanthropic mentor, 
He sends 100 kids every year to college, kind of local here in Palm Beach County. Oh, that's cool. And, uh, and so my wife and I started sending one kid, right? And I believe in the value of education. I want to support these you know, high-performing, underprivileged kids and get them a college education because I believe for them, it is a big ticket. It's, it's going to make a difference in their lives. For my son, I don't know, you know? Can you imagine like the, like one of those underprivileged kids, you know, that is just a monster? Yeah. I mean, straight A's, but just doesn't have the means, doesn't have the, the motivation, or like right. you said, no father to push yeah. him or the mom's too busy. But this kid is a genius. Yeah. And nobody ever knows about it. Yeah. Well, and that's what they're saying, too, with a lot of the, the new um, NIL deals for college athletes. You know, you got a lot of those kids coming out of poor, impoverished, terrible neighborhoods. And now they're able to, and it could be good or bad, we'll see, it's just the beginning of it, but get sponsored by Nike and get a million-dollar paycheck. Now, if they're smart, what I think they should do is should be able to spend some of that money, but they should teach some, or it should be just put into an account that it's not just blown in a second. But I think it could be a good thing for a lot of those kids. I think Steph Curry got a piece of Under Armour. Did he? When when he negotiated his deal, yeah, and uh, and part of the reason was they wanted to like lock it up mm-hmm. in the equity in the company, you know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Funny you say that because I like Nike, and I was I never heard of Under Armour, yeah. until Steph Curry, right? And they signed him, and he was he wanted to go to Nike, right? But Under Armour, they I mean they, they gave him out part every of the company, they had. right? Yeah, <laughs> and they got the Rock with Under Armour, yeah, and then uh, Curry's contract was up. And he was about to go, and then they gave him even more a part oh, yeah? of the company. Yeah, wow. that's that's the only reason he didn't leave because oh, they were like, "Shit, if yeah, they lose him." I mean, you know. he built that brand. Yeah, he did. He really did. Yeah, but you know, what are you gonna do? You know, you got ten thousand brands out there, all all trying to beat everybody, right? You know, but that's good competition. It was yeah. it was interesting to watch my son d- decide what sneakers he would buy. Right. So like when I was growing up, the Air Jordans were definitely the sneaker that yep. everybody wanted. Oh, yeah. And and that was like, again, one of my motivations was, hey, I want to be able to afford the Air Jordans. I, I had to use my money because my that parents so had like fun. a limit. So I'd have to, you know, add my money. So I do the same thing with my son. I'm like, look, I'll pay, you know, the 60 bucks for basic sneakers. You want those whatever Kyrie's and you want to pay 180 bucks? Go go right ahead. I'll pay 60. Yep. You pay 120. Yep. I would know that when the retro well they they they're retros now, but right. back then they I would know the date when the Jordans were coming out. Okay. And my grandpa would say you have to mow the grass four times in the front, four times in the back, rake, do all this weed stuff. And I want to see when it's done, and I'll check. And he would give me a little bit of money, a little oh, bit yeah? of money. Nice. And I knew that date when they were coming out, and I knew I had to be at that Lehigh Valley Mall because right. I knew that Foot Locker would happen. <laughs> and boy, was I chopping weeds. That was yeah, right. the only uh, manual or like work right. like that I've ever yeah. done in my oh, life. Yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love shoveling driveways, man, because that was good. snow? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That you was... can make a lot of money. Yeah. The smart move is what I did was I saved all the money. And I got a little tiny snowblower. Oh, there you go. And that way I could get the bit, I could get it off, and then you can charge more right. too, a little yeah. more. It's faster. Yeah, get it done quicker. You get it done quicker and you get to more houses yeah. before the other idiot with the heavy metal shovel, <laughs> this ten thousand pounds that he took out of right. his dad's shed. You know, yeah. nice. <laughs> but you know, don't you wish you saw that? You know, nowadays you don't see it anymore. I mean, I, I don't see it anymore. I don't either. I, I observe it because in, in my child's high school, they are very focused on service hours. And so, you know, part of it is there's been this shift to having students uh, donate their time rather than work. 
Wait, wait. What, what's service hours? So you have to do community service hours to graduate high school in Florida. You have to do 40 hours, I think. Correct. And, and then, school? but my son, in order to get to National Junior Honor Society, you got to do like 300 hours. Of community service? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and then, you know, community service is, is a lot nicer than working, right? Yeah. Like, and so kids are, are like, they'd rather go do the community service work than get a job because a job, you got a boss. Community service, you know. You really can't, can't get in trouble, right? Can't get in trouble, yeah. right? So you kind of look at that like two ways. Okay, right. you do community service, you're helping everybody out, but now you're getting used to the attitude of, well, I don't right. have to go to work. Right. And then it just, just creates. Because I'm a volunteer, you know? Yeah. Right. What do you think about everybody getting a trophy for everything they do as a businessman? I know this isn't your thing, but it all relates yeah, right. to yeah, the business. I mean, my son got a trophy for everything he did, right? And, you know, did he until, win? No. I mean, he thankfully, he won one year in basketball, one year in soccer. You okay. Know, good won. enough. Good, yeah, right. Yeah. He, got his, he got his chance to win. <laughs> good. Uh, and, but he's had some tough seasons. Uh, but yeah, you know, he would get the trophy. And I, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we're all trying to make up for our parents' mistakes. Yeah. And and so it all kind of comes in cycles, and you see what the you know the bad thing is that you're doing to your own kids, and then your kids are going to change, and they're going to do it different yeah. for their kids, and we'll all have our issues. One thing you talk a lot about is spirit. What does spirit mean to you? Uh, you know, I think everyone has some level of spirituality, and some way that they might feel connected to other people. And uh, for me, I I've learned that I want to interpret that as God. So I, I believe that, you know, in like that movie, The Secret, that you could like manifest stuff, yeah, right? From the actual book. Yeah, from, it came from the book, from right? Homer, yeah. I can never say his name. And uh, I, I deserve that one that I can't say I can. <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've always believed that, you know, your thoughts affect your performance and, and your results. And to me, that was kind of the spirited part of my journey and i think that's the same for every human we can all access that level of connectedness if we're willing to attempt to channel it and listen uh and so you know i believe that we all kind of tune in to what it is that we want to feel and some people like to tune into misery and some people like to tune into hardship and you know I've always decided to tune into positivity and and tune into success and tune into like a better self. So those that you know, I could be in the same situation. Uh, you know, they say that event plus response equals outcome, right? So I could have the same event as you, but if my response is based on this positivity, my outcome is going to be different than yours, even though we're both at the same event. Yeah. A very wise man said to me, he goes, whatever you put into the universe, you'll get back. Yeah. So in other words, if I walk out the door and I say, it's going to rain today. Yeah. Oh, it's going to rain today. My <laughs> suit's going to get ruined. Right. Then it's, then it's going to rain today and your suit's going to get ruined. But if you walk out that door, oh, it's going to rain today. I got my umbrella. Who cares? No right. big deal. If you put that into the universe, then it's going to, if you put positivity into the universe, yeah positivity will come back so i'm a big believer in that i am too yeah i'm big into spirit yeah and and i've decided to call that god because i didn't believe sure. in god for a long time uh and i decided that for me i'd call that whatever that is that makes that true to me that's god i'm with you on that one yeah as you can see my ufo here by, <laughs> by bob lazar who worked at area uh, or actually s4 yeah. that's actually from bob lazar yeah do you know who bob lazar no, is i don't 
Oh, do I have to tell him who Bob Lazar is? Give him the abbreviated version. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Lazar, long story short, 100% true. Look it up and watch it whenever you have time. Right. It's worth watching. In 1972, he was working at a place called S4. Right. He, they, that was the ship that they had. It okay. landed. Now, Bob Lazar was this, when he was growing up, he was nuts. Like, he was able to, at 14 years old, he put a jet engine on a bike. Wow. At 18, he put two jet engines on a Honda. So now you have this nutcase, but he's a genius with forensics and, and building things and everything else, right? So why would the government pick him? After he's straight A's in school, straight A's at MIT, boom, bada bang, but crazy. So they pick him. He goes to S4. He's there four years. They do four years in, four years out. When he's there, he's they're trying to reverse engineer spacecraft right. so that they can beat the propulsion and all this other stuff. So then he leaves. And when he leaves, he takes a little bit of what's in that. It's a molecule called N1. And in 1972, they said, there's no N1. There's no S4. Well, in 2022, there's N1 on the molecule chart. Oh, yeah. And they came out and said that there's an S4. But the reason why he came out in 1972 on TV, I think it was with Barbara Walters way back then, and he had the same exact story from 72 to 2022. And what the government did was they wiped everything. So he leaves us for, he comes down and he said, look, I'm not trying to make a stink. The reason why I'm sitting here is because they only let one scientist work on this. If I had three other scientists as good as me, we could figure this out and change everything. And that's why he was talking about it because he was, he was like- trying to find somebody. Well, yeah, because he, he was saying if I if there was four of me looking at this, four nuts that were right. just geniuses, like, you know, Bob Lazar, Elon Musk, and who are two other smart people, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. And they're all trying to dissect it. Maybe they could do it. But when you only give one guy the opportunity, so he was doing it kind of like for the scientific com community, not, right. not to be like, hey, look, I know there's aliens. Right. He was just pissed. So everything goes on. Well, in like 1999, they find a newspaper article where there's Bob Lazar graduating from MIT. So the government missed that. So they wiped his whole life. Oh, wow. So he ne he didn't even exist. No social security number, nothing. He left and everything was gone. But in 99, they found that, that piece of paper, the newspaper article. And then it was on the alumni. And then everything changed. He had to go hide all kinds of- Oh, really? Rob, would you like to add anything to that? That was a good version of it, yeah. Crazy, ridiculously smart individual. <laughs> and, and just, and if you, when you if you watch it, you, it just blows your mind because you look at the guy and you say, if he's lying, there's no way somebody can lie from 1972 to 2022. Because right. if you can, I'll hire you. Okay? <laughs> we'll start a business and right, we just right. send him out and we're good to go, Rob and Noah. We're good. But, I mean, that's, what, 50 years yeah. of the exact same thing? And then one thing after another that he had said all these years came out. Now, do I think all this shit flying around right now is UFOs? I think it's probably military testing stuff. I, I highly doubt that if they were going to come here, they would probably be – you probably wouldn't even be able to see them, I would think. Or maybe they'd let you see them here and there. <laughs> We've probably seen a few of them. Yeah. What do you think? So I saw a UFO once. Uh, I was w walking with my daughter and we were on our like the golf course in our community and I look up in the sky and there's this, you know, bright light, exactly what you see when you watch those movies of the earth, the bright light flashing, 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 getting bigger and then it getting smaller. 
and I, I we're, we're like amazed. You know, I'm trying to pull out my phone to record it. And I was I'm, it just hanging there? It was hanging there, and then you know disappears. Right, just like boom. So I go to my, I'm walking back with Eden, and I see my next door neighbors. I'm like, did you guys see the UFO? They're like, yeah, yeah, we saw that. What uh, what was that? What was that? I go inside. I'm like, Amanda, Jared, you can't believe it. Uh, Eden and I just saw a UFO. So Jared goes on his phone real quick. It's like, oh no, that was the space shuttle launch for Musk. <laughs> so yeah. I saw a UFO. It was unidentified to me, but then it was identified about 10 minutes later. Uh, yeah. But I was joking around, so you didn't think I was an idiot. I do think some of these <laughs> yeah. are UFOs. Yeah. I, I do think some of them are. I think some are military and some are, are UFO. Yeah. Jared's a smart kid. Yeah. He he's beat, beat, <laughs> Jared's <laughs> beating daddy's ass. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> he's yeah. taking you to the cleaners, yeah. boy. Yep. I saw something uh, in here that I thought was really cool. And I want you to read it because you wrote it and it's really good. Yeah. Uh, in order to achieve freedom, I believe we need to develop healthy relationships with those around us. As a result, we at our company focus on measuring and monitoring financial assets and also the value in life, including your health, spirituality, relationships, and the impact we make within our community. I thought that was awesome. Now, can you elaborate on that? It goes back to this whole rich beyond money philosophy, right? That I, I know that money doesn't buy happiness. It's much better to have money than not. Much better. Uh, yeah. yeah. Way, 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 better, right? way, way. As better. my dad likes to say, if if money's yeah. up here, the second thing is probably way down here, right? <laughs> yeah. But but it's not everything. Right. And uh, because it's not everything, it's important to recognize what those other things are and and not to be obsessed with the money side of it. Because if you're obsessed with the money side of it, all these other things are not going to be optimal. And and if you try, you know, you, you, to find balance, if that's possible, uh, for me, balance often means like more of a seasonality. There are seasons where some things are getting more attention than others, but that's okay because there's going to be a season the other way around. You know, my summer season for me, I spend a lot of my time with my wife now. It's like my best season, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but then I kind of get into the, the winter season and that's like a kind of a work season for me. And I really love my work. So, you know, it's all fun, but, but it's finding that balance within yourself, within your life, you know, not just, uh, doing for yourself, but doing for others. I think there's a lot of joy that can be had in, in finding out what that higher purpose is for you and sharing your experiences with other people and building a family that's meaningful and contributing to other causes that, you know, resonate with you. You know why this meant a lot to me? <clears throat> because like 20, uh, maybe 15 years ago, I kept buying Lamborghinis for, I buy a black one. I didn't like black. Then I bought a white one or Bentley that was buying Bentleys left and right. Like I buy an 08 because it was cheaper. Then right. I went. I didn't like it. It was too loud. So then I went and bought a 10. Then I went and bought the 13. And that one was nice and quiet until you- I love those cars. The, the Continental? I, yeah. I, I got, always got the Continental yeah. GT. I was going to buy one, and then I didn't want to be seen driving it. They're nice. No, they're nice. They're nice. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're really great nice. cars. But I kept buying and buying and buying. So now I, now I got the Bentley. Well, that wasn't enough. So now I got on this Lamborghini kick. Yeah. So I fly to Dallas, the Lamborghini, buy a Lamborghini there, get it trucked in. The whole neighborhood's looking because it's a scene. And I think, oh, this is, you know, look, yeah, right. blah, blah, blah. Got that one. I didn't like it. Went back up to New York to Manhattan, Manhattan Motor Cars. Traded it in and lost eighty thousand in a week on the trade in. Wow! 
bought another one, didn't like it because they came out with the spider with the top that comes down. So now I had to go back and take that one back. And this guy, Walter, was like, dude, what are you doing? You know, yeah. I'm gonna, you know I'm gonna kill you for 100 Gs on this one. Right. Just give me the spider. And then one day I came down, I, I, just for whatever reason, I came down to get something to eat. I opened the door to my garage and started crying. And I'm like, why am I not happy? I got a Bentley, I got a Lamborghini, I got three Mercedes outside. I got a huge house in Pennsylvania. I don't ever have to worry about a single penny for one second. My house is insane inside, you know? Why am I not happy? And it took me a long time to realize at that point, I hadn't found me. Right. And then once I found me, then it was like, okay, money's great and I'm going to make money, but it's not the entire universe. Right. But it, but you know, I that's why that meant so much to me. You know, yeah. Because it took thirty five years from that me to realize that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now, when you do these, because one last thing with these speeches, as you progress in these speeches, what what is your like goals going to be? Because each one seems to be like leveling up. Uh, I think it's really about spreading this message of that having a full life is more important than being on the Forbes 400. I don't right. know about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think there are some people on well, that you, list. You put me on there once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then okay. Come off, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and the reality is uh, you could become happier from certain experiences or certain possessions, but it really fades quickly. But the relationships that you build can last a lifetime. And... You know, if you get your value, not just from things or experiences, but from other people, I think then you have more, you know, you have a more rich life, a more full life. And they don't have a list for that, you know? Yeah, there's no list for that. There's no list for who's living a good life that we should try and model. Mm. And so that's what I'm trying to do. I try and do my best. I'm certainly not perfect, but I want to spread that message because I think if, if... if there were the list, if there, if you could get followers for that, right, then that's what you should be following. And that's why I want to produce that content because I'd like people to hear that and know that they don't have to get a Lamborghini to show people that they have a good life. They could, you know, spend time with their wife on a Wednesday and go to the beach, which is what I do. And right? you, know what, you know what? Back to the Lamborghini thing because I was, I was obsessed with them. I'm I'm happier in a Porsche than all those Lamborghinis I had. Uh, I'm I'm more I'm happy I'm yeah. happy. In, forget those Lamborghinis. Yeah. I'm happy in my little Porsche. Yeah, I'm cool with that. You yeah. know, there, there was a I just read this article. There was this soccer player from like some poor country, Senegal or somewhere, and he's getting paid like millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Like he's he's set his family set. He's changed generations. He's changed all that. And he was walking, and they, somebody took a picture, and he had his cell phone. And you could see his screen, it was completely cracked, like destroyed, like cracked. And they're like, dude, why don't you get a new phone? Like, and he's had, it was like multiple times they seen this phone. He's like, it still works. I can still make calls. I can still see stuff on it. But this dude apparently like takes a lot and again, makes millions and millions of dollars, but gives a lot back to Senegal, to the people there. And he's like. If I can change generations, that's more than the money I'm making from my own self. And it was just like, wow, like that's like big time. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was crazy. And no, that's kind of the message you're pushing, right? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think that there's, uh, there's 
partly because of where I come from, right? And kind of my own obsession with money. Uh, I'm, I'm doing this more for myself than for anyone, <laughs> yeah. right? Because it's easy for me to get addicted to money. I could have a lot of fun just making money. One last question. Yeah. Now, because I have a problem with this. What time, what time do you get up in the morning? Uh, I wake up when I have to go to the bathroom, you know, maybe 3.30, <laughs> could be 4.30, right? But if I'm lucky enough, I fall asleep and then I wake up at 6. I'm out of bed at 6. And then what time do you go to bed? Uh, 10. Usually, you know, lights out at 10. Now, let's say you have, you have a lot of work to do. You yeah. still go to bed at 10. I mean, if you have, I would, I would never work till bed done. Yeah. No. No. So even if you had a pile of work to do at ten o'clock, you're going to bed. I shouldn't say that. I mean, you know, I I try to create systems in my life where nothing urgent is requires my attention. Can you give me an example of how you one of those systems? Uh, I, it's people, right? It's knowing that I have other people that they'll make it urgent that in they their can life. Carry the weight. Yeah. I see. Right. Now, sometimes it's just not feasible because I'm the guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's on me. And so, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. But I've I've attempted to organize my life in such a way that that's very, very rare. Very rare. Now, if it's one of those things that you are the guy, do you stay up past 10? Or... Oh, yeah. I'll do whatever it takes. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll I do whatever it takes to fulfill my responsibilities to other people. Um, and I just try and make sure that th those obligations don't go beyond the time that I want to have them happen. Because out of all this, I envy that you're able to have all these businesses and have a, a great marriage and two kids. And I just don't know how you do it because you, you I mean, obviously, I have a great team. You, yeah. You got a great team. Yeah. I mean, he's got all these things going on. Yeah. I have a great team. I always think it's like surround yourself with good people. Um, and as long as you show them that you care about them, they'll care about you or in your business. Like I've always just believed that. Like, you know, you see some companies that, you know, they say they treat their workers like shit, this and that. Well, those people could give a crap about that company. They're going to go for the paycheck still, right. but you're going to get shitty service. You're going to get bad talk about you. But if you give that person a little more, help that person out, they're going to they're gonna help you out. Uh, I, I believe that. So I have part of my team is based in the Philippines and Oh really? Yeah, and oh, unfortunately I they're over there. Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, they have typhoons there much like we have hurricanes here in South one. Florida. They just had one. Yeah, and yeah, so down for uh no, you're you're giving me nightmares because it's the guy that helps me with the websites. Yeah. And they had the with a typhoon. Yeah. It wiped out everywhere out. Right. There. And nobody had electric and then well, my the guy who works with me, my partner for 15 years, like he would have electric. So then it started to get violent because he had electric. So now right. everybody was running over there to get electric because they went two months with some people went two months with no water, no nothing. It's Rob, crazy, two right? months. They won't be able to do it. Here. So <laughs> yeah, sorry to interrupt you about so, that. So you know, talking about caring about your team, like to me that my team is my family, right? And and so when that happened, I said, hey, listen, if you had damage in your home or your parents' home. You know, let me know and I'm going to help fix it because I want you to be comfortable. And so we had like an emergency relief program and a couple of employees were able to take advantage of it. We extended it to their, you know, extended family, their siblings and uh, their in-laws. And, you know, I have good fortune. And, and who else should I share with besides the people that helped me create it? 
No, you're yeah. a beast. Yeah, that is awesome. You're a beast, <laughs> buddy. Awesome. You're a beast. Is he not a beast? Yeah, that's awesome. That's <laughs> Pull up awesome. Uh, his website. Yep. I want to go through your team. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you can mention their team. Yeah. But you are, man. You're you're a monster. Oh, thanks. <laughs> really. I mean, just to be able to do all this and, and keep your mind straight with, with distractions and, and just write books and go right at it and still have family time, man. Yeah. I hope I can well, get my mindset uh, like you want that. It's the Shit. toughest uh, assignment ever. And that's what makes it so fun to work on. Yeah. I well, I, I like a challenge. I 100% believe yeah. that that is yeah, probably the I, toughest challenge you've ever I had. I can't figure out how to lose weight. That one I haven't figured out yet. But, how about this? But, I, I'll help you to lose weight if you help me to get my shit straight. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was a yeah, right, like, yeah, right. Time. Yeah. <laughs> Jerk. Uh, All right. So t- so let's go through some of this stuff. So, yeah. you know, because we want, we, want, we want people to check this out. You vet them. If they're good, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Okay. So here's the team. Yeah, so I've got my my brother Ron. He's our chief operating officer. We've been working together now uh, five years. That's your brother? Yeah, oh, he looks a lot better than you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just joking. Uh, I know it's not true. Uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, it looks it looks like a big dude. I won't, I won't want to take a right from him. You don't. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> Robert's my real estate partner. He runs our real estate division. And Peter runs our family office group. Peter's educated as a lawyer, went to Yale undergrad, you know, real intelligent, wow. yeah. hardworking guys, got, you know, 40 plus years of experience. Yale for wealth management? Yeah. So, tough. Uh, and then, you know, what's interesting, again, I talked a little bit about uh, labor. So my team that's based in the Philippines, they're amazing, you know? And yeah. uh, so like Michelle, who's up there, she got her engineering degree undergrad. She got like a Six Sigma black belt. She was in, you know, operations management. And then she decided she liked financial planning, got a diploma in financial planning, got a master's degree, you know, (laughs) and she's working with our team. And, you know, I would say if she were here, if she grew up in America and had the same kind of education in America, she'd be making eight times what she makes. Yeah. Right. And so... Now, I'm thrilled that I could pay her what's really fair and reasonable for where she lives and the, the, the work that she's doing. But also, when her, you know, mom has a problem, like if she needs help, I, I'm going to help her. Yeah. Right? I'm the same way. I, yeah. I've worked with my guy for 15 years, and I don't pay him U.S. wages, right. but he can also build a $400,000 house here for 25 k over right. there. Exactly. You know, so you balance it out. Right. But, you know, like I remember one time uh, his mom got sick. And, you know, they always have to take that ferry over all yeah. the time. And I made sure everything went, you know, the same thing you did. You yeah. Know? He's been my boy for 15 years. Yeah. Never, never took a cent. Yeah. You know. And uh, who else do we got here? I've got a, a couple of uh, new hires that we just added, which is exciting. We're waiting on Thresh's picture there. But, uh, you know, on the planning side, we have a tax attorney, Chris Hines, who's up there. This guy is like unreal genius. So I recruited him for three years. And then finally, we're in, we're in a tax mastermind together. It's about 60 people from around the country that come together once a quarter to talk about new tax ideas. And Chris is like spot on, brilliant guy, always coming with new ideas. And I kept trying to convince him, you know, hey, you should work. We should work together because, you know, I, I think you could help my people. Right. And finally, the stars aligned and. He's he's a an expert at helping people figure out how to pay less in taxes legally. Look at him. I mean, yeah. I, I look at him and I, I look at him and I say, "Boy, 
He knows what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> he just has that look on right? I mean, he yeah. has that look like. So he's, like, like, you want to mess with me? Yeah. Not with the tax thing? Come on. Come on. <laughs> come, come on in. You, come on. Uh, so he's one of only like 2,000 people in the country that has a law degree and is a certified financial planner. So now you spent three years trying to get him. Yeah. So how did you finally get him? What was the knocker? Um, I think he realized that he could accomplish his goals better with me by his side than he can do it on his own. Did you just keep proving yourself to him, emailing him things? I'm asking this because, like, say somebody else wants to get a really good hire. And yeah. They just, you know, they're tough to get. So I'll, I'll, I'll kind of talk about Brad, too, sure. who's in that lower right corner, who's our chief marketing officer now. Brad and I met on Facebook, you know, and he just really liked our content. And he, you know, started asking me questions and, you know, trying to clog my inbox, right? Hey, can you tell me what you think about this, you know? And then finally I was like, well, what do you, what do, you do man? <laughs> you know, what do you, what do you got so going I, on? So I would think a guy like you would completely ignore that. Like if somebody was nailing you on Facebook, I would think that you would just be like, I don't have time. He was doing it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. What's the right way? Um, curiosity, uh, you know, r- real, um, just seeking knowledge. Like asking asking questions that grabbed your attention. Yeah, maybe? you know, thoughtful questions, and uh, and so I want to respond to people that have thought. I've got a couple of guys that you know. I met one kid on LinkedIn, and he had reached out to me, and hey, can I? I I want some advice on my career. I'm interested in real estate. You know, I'm a CPA. I've done four or five coaching calls with him. You know, just to mentor him a little bit. Cool. Nice guy, and you know, I think. There are people when they ask appropriately and they're very respectful of my time and they're, you know, I'm clear about what the boundaries are and, and what I'm available for and what I'm not, you know, but I want to help people. So I kind of, I carve out like my 730 to 830 hour, uh, you know, in the mornings when I'm going on a walk, I'll either talk on the phone or you can meet me for a walk. So do you kind of have like a everyday daily routine that you kind of go by and that's yeah. how you kind of stick to that? time frame yeah so I, I i have a concept called the perfect week where i encourage everybody to design the week that they want and we think about it with time blocks so like what do you want to do when you wake up before you have breakfast what do you want to do from when you have breakfast to when you start your work day what do you want to do when you start your work day before you have lunch what do you want to do for lunch what do you want to do after lunch what do you want to do before you go home you know what do you want to do when you get home before you have dinner what do you want to do for dinner what do you want to do after dinner before you go to bed and you start breaking it down and filling in these like things that you want to accomplish. Because if you want to exercise, well, where is it going? Is it going after dinner? Is it going before dinner? Is it going before you leave the house? Is you like to do it at two in the afternoon? You got to put it on your schedule. Well, so for me, you know, I've, I've kind of identified all the things that I'd like to do in a week. I put them on my calendar, and then there's room within that for like you know, in my like case, a levy. Kind of like a leg, right? Where you right. kind of got a cushion. Yeah, I know I know what is already full. So if I need to plan something, well, I can't plan it on Wednesdays because Wednesday is my date day with my wife. You don't want to get killed for that. I, I, <laughs> I, not that I don't want to get... It's my favorite day of the week, I, I just right? I just, so, yeah. Uh, but I don't want it twice, <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I, like, I like the other stuff I'm doing. Otherwise, I would have it twice. Now I have a boat. I want to be on my boat one day a week. Right. So I'm trying to, you know, have that boat day and and make that day a productive day where, you know, I'm I'm not only on my boat, but I'm on my boat with other people that are interesting and that I could spend time with and 
enjoy your boat, maybe with the family, and right. do some work. Exactly. And then everybody's happy, right? But, yeah. but on yep. a rain day, you can do something else, though, right? Exactly. It's a bad weather day. Yeah. Yeah, what do you do on a rain day? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he's probably got a fucking yacht. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably him that's going through that bridge right. that they got to take apart for a bit. You know, you know that bridge? Yeah, I heard about that. That idiot guy. Like, he had to get such a big boat. Right. They actually took yeah, the bridge apart. If I was that guy that was taking apart that bridge, I'd be thinking twice what I would want to yeah. do to that yeah. guy. You know, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you got a great team. Anything else you want to go over? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I have some free stuff. Like, if people are interested in downloading some stuff, sure. So, uh, I've got at uh, freedomtaxstrategy.com. You got that, Rob? I've got uh, you could download these 23 overlooked tax strategies for entrepreneurs. So, you just type it in, you'll get a download, you take it to your accountant. If this is for U.S. taxpayers. Take it to your account and just run down that list, see if there's any good ideas that maybe you guys hadn't spoken about. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, Where's and that? then uh, Freedom Tax Strategy. Oh, that's cool because you kind of get to tip your, uh, you kind of get get to tip the accountant. Hey, look, maybe right, maybe you got to just get, take a look. Just yeah, take a look. Tell right? me if there's any ideas we haven't discussed yet. That's so cool. Right, because the accountants don't bring it up. Yeah, they don't. Because up. because they don't get paid more, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, freedom, ta- you're gonna have to type it in because it's it's not like uh, SEO. Maybe I gotta have you do that, right? <laughs> I can do it. For you. <laughs> uh, freedomtaxstrategy.com, and then uh, I've got another one at uh, decidedtosell.com. Now, and that's, on, now on this here, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So you just fill this out. Fill that out. Hit submit. It'll go right to your inbox. All right. Well, yeah. and we'll put that in the description as well. Yeah. Along with everything else. Cool. Okay. Uh, and then if you go to decided to sell, so if you've decided to sell your business and maybe you don't want to spend twenty bucks on my book, I've got a little free one <laughs> that you could take. Yeah, can't take twenty bucks after you. Yeah, you know, but, what but are you, you gonna do? It's more that you don't want to spend this eight hours reading it, right? Yeah. It's like give me the cliff notes. So this is just kind of some ideas, and then you get a couple of emails. Um, really cool. And then if you if you're interested in investing in real estate, yeah. I got another one at talkaboutre.com. Talkaboutre.re uh, like real estate, right? Yeah. Talkaboutre.com. And when you go there, I've got a book that's titled How My Family Gets Infinite Returns Investing in Apartments. Oh, cool. So so if you fill out that form, you'll get you'll get that ebook also and it goes through case studies how I bought my first house and got 40 bucks at the closing and how we buy apartments and renovate them and 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 then rent them and refinance and get all our money out and, and kind of keep making money. I've never seen anything like this. Look, yeah. have, you, have you ever invested in commercial real estate before? Man, you got it all. What, do you have anything else like this? Th- those are my three right now. So now I'm working on the Rich Beyond Money one. I'm working on an eight-figure exit one. When do you think the uh, Rich Beyond Money one will be uh, ready? That'll be done in September. Yeah. Cool. You might yeah. have to come back for that. All right, yeah. That's, that's really that's really cool, man. We're yeah. going to have all this in the description. I mean, yeah. So and my goal is to keep creating it and giving it away, right? And and you know I know, the more I give, the more there are people that are just like, hey man, I know you know if you built a team that can help me, I, I don't want to do it on my own, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I'd rather work with team? a bunch yeah. of people that have already yeah. done this. Yeah, it comes back, right? You know, it comes yeah. back. And not everybody's the right client for us. You know, we're kind of in this, you know, market of people that have a ten million dollar net worth or more. That's not that many people, but there's a lot of people that I think could benefit from learning some of this stuff. Now, if somebody contacted you and they weren't in that 10 market, yeah. 10 million market, would you refer them to somebody else or you just don't have the time uh, for that kind no, of stuff? No, generally we will. It'll depend on what their need is mm-hmm. because sometimes they could get a need filled at no cost. So like there's, you know, there's 
people in the world that want to serve wherever they're at. And, and, you know, it just depends on who they are and what they're looking for. Right. So then you would just be killing them by saying, okay, yeah, come with me. And right. when they, you, they could get it for free. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll have all this in, in the description. And again, I love that. The front of the homepage with yeah. the drone. Yeah. <laughs> how, how good of a drone shot is that? I love it. Uh, yeah. That's what he does during the day. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. On the, uh, on the website, it just keeps moving. I right. mean, it paralyzes you. It's a little mesmerizing, website. right? It is. It's, it's like, not as good for mobile. That's the problem. Yeah, just click there. Yeah, that'll yeah. take you there. Yeah, it, it's really cool. Yeah, Look yeah. at that. <laughs> Put it on on six. We I just uh, watched it. Uh, <laughs> uh, watch uh, sail away, yeah. right? That's probably. Now, is that your boat? Who's I was just going to say, that's probably no one. Yeah, yeah, right. uh, is that your boat? No. No, no his is pretty talking about. Mine's, uh, mine's a little bigger. I was going to say, what do you think? Yeah, driving that little it. peanut thing? I love it. Yeah. Oh, well, it's been a blast. Yeah, now. cool. This has been fun. Thank you. I appreciate you're, you having you're me. You're right by. What's that? You're, how far are you away from here? I'm an hour. I'm in Parkland. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, better come back down here again. Yeah. All right. We'll make it happen. Definitely. All right. Hope you had a good time. Yeah, I did. Thank you. I'll see you soon. never watched a video feed podcast on spotify before a settings pop-up box will pop up tap on settings turn data saver off go back to the episode hit play you'll never have to do this